to another edition of BAMS Radio on our still new day, Thursday, because Thomas, me, I'm a nerd. But they let me out of my cage to talk for a second, as I'm efforting to get Drew DeArmond on with us. Uh, Carrie Clark, our other part of our Motley Trio, is busy covering a basketball game. He will be here for the second half of the show, but... Drew and I are going to banner back and forth. We have a little interview with that Drew did with Travis Ryer that covers all manner of all of the things. We're also going to be joined by John Garcia in the second hour because, you know, 16 national championships is good, but uh, 17 is better. And to do that, Alabama is going to need some new blood. And obviously, Garcia is about as good as it gets when it comes to recruiting for the Crimson Tide. Still efforting to uh, get Drew on with us. Hey, Drew, did I get you? Yes. Great, great. Uh, we are live, so uh, we're, we're kind of going to jump around a little bit. But welcome, Drew DeArmond, you know, in 97.7 The Zone in Huntsville. The uh, Let me see if I've been on your show enough to know. The only <laughs> sports talk radio show in the Rocket City, Huntsville, Alabama. Welcome back to Talk – wait, no, BAMS Radio. Right. Exactly. I, I, I have to mess with you, Drew. I'm sorry. Don't. Yeah, don't that, throw that's kind of become my signature. <laughs> and uh, yes, you have been a frequent guest on the program, and good to be with you here on BAMS. Had a little bit of a gremlin with the internet there for a second. I uh, was wondering what was going on, uh, but uh, we we got that fixed. And glad to have another program for the listeners out there tonight. Uh, we're going to hear from Travis Ryer, a conversation I had with him. Uh, from BamaOnline.com. I think he's one of the foremost sources of Alabama football and basketball as well, just a guy that's extremely plugged in, very high uh, IQ football and basketball-wise, and he just has this, you know, I think he's uh, someone that's, uh, as far as the, as far as his intellect and as far as being able to talk ball, he's one of the guys that is one of my favorites, and uh, I, I think the listeners will enjoy that conversation. And then, you know, we're efforting to reach Luke Robinson, uh, who's in, Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Uh, I guess I'm a little bit of a, a uh, sabbatical with his family. We hope to have him on the program. And then, of course, Kerry Clark, our esteemed co-host, is uh, right now uh, listening to uh, uh, one of the Alabama basketball coaches speak this hour, Bob Simon, the associate head coach, Alabama, coming off the 83-77 to loss to the Auburn Tigers in the Iron Bowl of basketball, Thomas. And I know you had an opinion on that. Well, I watched the game. I didn't catch all of it, but right. first off, uh, even though Alabama lost, Avery Johnson has certainly injected the energy that we were excited about before the start of the basketball season is staying there. It's just that right now the team, in some cases, is spare parts. Right, exactly. And so is is Avery Johnson's season – on the national level, a smashing success, no. But good Lord, it's fun to watch basketball, and I look forward to when the tide's on television. But about the specific game, now, I do not like, as a basketball fan, games that turn into glorified MMA matches. <laughs> I do yeah. not like those. They're just, they, they don't appeal to me. But at some point, when I'm legitimately considering taking the ref's whistle and seeing if, you know, how far I can get it down his throat so he stops calling fouls, that's a problem. I mean, it's a huge problem. You already have media timeouts every four minutes, which are necessary. 
But, you know, when you're stopping the action every 15 seconds to shoot free throws, it's a hard product to watch. It's a very boring game. And I'm just like, I'll be honest, I, I, I'm not the hard, most hardcore basketball fan. I'm not entertained by that, so I'll watch something else in, in many cases. And that's part of the reason I didn't watch part of the game against Auburn. So I know officiating you walk a fine line. I get that. But I would rather you err on the, you know, entertaining basketball side, I guess. You know, and I know that's completely selfish, but what were your thoughts on the game, Drew? You said you had a little rant prepared for us. Well, first of all, I thought it was refereed by the Keystone Cops. Uh, you know, these I thought that those three, the, the three fools that officiated the game, I think did a very poor job. Uh, There's no rhythm to the game, and I thought they were bad on both sides. Uh, first of all, I don't, I don't think they cost Alabama the game. I had a lot of people asking me that. I think Alabama not executing really cost themselves the game. They, Riley Norris, who we saw I- I imitate Jimmy Chitwood against South Carolina and give the Gamecocks their only loss of the season, hit uh, you know tied the school record with eight threes. He had a bunch of open looks, only hit a couple. Uh, you know, Shannon Hale had uh, many an open look. Uh, they missed too many free throws. Um, Jimmy Taylor had a good second half. It was MIA in the first half. Uh, you know, Retno Basahan had a superhuman effort, one of his best, maybe his best of his career. I believe he ended up with a around uh, 27 points, something like that. But he needed some help, didn't get nearly enough. Arthur Edwards, I think, ended up with two points. He did not do uh, much of anything. They needed about three guys in double figures, and they had enough opportunities with open shots and free throws and of that ilk to do it. I just felt like, Uh, basically it was a high-level basketball game with a great atmosphere despite the officials. I just felt like they did a piss-poor job, honestly. Uh, They they didn't let teams play. They called way too many ticky-tack fouls. And then the the cherry on top of the Sunday, and uh, if I were Avery Johnson, I'd have gotten ejected, was, you know, it's still anybody's game. or uh, You know, Auburn's still more than likely going to win the game with about a minute to go. But Alabama still had an outside shot. And uh, the young man traveled near midcourt. Uh, Riley Norris barely touched him. And uh, the official, for the first official that saw the play clearly called a travel. And then the moron who should never officiate again in his life runs all the way across the court from 45 feet and overrules him. Uh, the official that first made the call should have told the guy to shut up and sit down. It's my call. But to call that, you know, a foul and let Auburn ice it from there was a, a complete joke. I mean, I just felt like that, uh, you know, I had someone on Twitter tell me it was the worst they'd seen in 50 years. And uh, I've got to believe uh, it was one of the worst performances I've seen out of an officiating crew. I mean, when you when Auburn shoots 40 free throws, Alabama still shot 28. I mean, it was just they didn't let the teams play, and it was just, I thought, an atrocious performance. I had another uh, an Auburn fan on Twitter tell me, well, it, it was consistently called. It's the new rules. I disagree with that. I've watched enough college basketball. Those guys, for whatever reason, uh, Kentucky and Auburn, as Jason Caldwell said on my show, and he's as even-handed an Auburn uh, guy that he covers him for the scout inside the Auburn Tigers, said, you know, it, it was absolutely uh, on both sides. It just was not well officiated. They let him play against Kentucky, and then just uh, Auburn uh, won the basketball game against Alabama. They were just trying to call every little thing, and I got to give Kareem Canny a lot of credit. He shot the ball really well, five of eight from the line, and Cinnamon Bowers had his best game of the season. But 
really, I just felt like the officials didn't let either team play and uh, were really uh, t- taken away from the product on the court. Yeah, that's. That, I guess you, you. We said the same thing, but I was. Um, I guess I was more selfish with it. it. It was. It was just frustrating to watch, and you know w- whether it was or it wasn't called based on the new rules. And again, I'm. I'm not disagreeing with you, Drew. I'm just saying from my perspective, like microcosm for one game, because I simply don't have time to watch a lot of basketball. I was not entertained by it, and it had very little to do with the fact that Alabama ended up losing. I was just like this. I I, I couldn't – as a fan, I couldn't get into a, the flow of the game. I absolutely understand if uh, players had trouble as well. But, I mean, I don't know where it's going to go from there, but we'll see. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I just felt like – and I, I, I didn't like again. I wasn't. I didn't buy the new rules had anything to do with it. I just felt like it was overzealous officials, you know, trying to, you know, to call every little ticky tack foul. And that's always been my, uh, <laughs> my bone to pick with uh, uh, collegiate and high school officiating is it's not consistent. Either you're gonna you see them, they let them play, and it's up and down, or they're gonna call every little ticky tack thing. It just, but to me, if you're gonna have, if you're gonna go with it, just let them play, and then you know, and call the obvious things. And really, I didn't think it got too physical. It got a little chippy, uh, but I thought the sportsmanship was pretty good on both sides, and I thought it was uh, good to see energy back in the Alabama Auburn rivalry because you know Auburn had a packed house, and we all know what Avery Johnson, the foundation he's laying, and. You know, Auburn won the game, but I think Alabama's looking forward to them uh, coming back to Tuscaloosa. And I liked what I heard from Avery Johnson. He said, as a competitor, I wish we could go out and play again tomorrow. And so uh, I think Alabama will be ready uh, when they come uh, to Tuscaloosa. And they'll probably be a sellout crowd for the Tide, too. And that's good That's good for the state and good for basketball. Right. A- absolutely. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm going to quote a tweet that Jimmy Stein, I believe, sent out. Good friend of the show. Yeah. Get your licks in now because Alabama's coming. And if there's one thing I absolutely agree with coming out of this basketball season, if it were to end today, Alabama's on the right track. They have oh, yeah. hired the right guy. So no, no question. And the roster is going to be much different next year. I mean, I know Auburn's still going to have a talented team, but uh, you know, I think it's kind of apropos for Kareem Candy to point at his uh, to point at his wrist about what time it is every time he makes a three. Well. Uh, we'll see how how uh, how much he's pointing when they come to Tuscaloosa, and then of course when Alabama's roster is much more talented next year, we'll see uh, who all is uh, pointing at what. But uh, that that's all I'll say about that. I think Alabama, if they can find a big or two, and maybe Kerry Clark will shed some light on that when he comes on with us at eight o'clock. But if they can uh, sign a big man or two to go with the guards and the two transfers sitting out, uh, and of course Dazon Ingram from your neck of the woods being back. Yes. I do think uh, this Alabama basketball team will be remarkably different and much more talented and will have less uh, square pegs and round holes, so to speak. Certainly. And speaking of rosters, you, you, you tracked me down on your show earlier this week, so I'm going I'm to return the favor. <laughs> Thoughts on the football team now that we know for sure who's coming back, and uh, you know, obviously Jonathan Allen, O.J. Howard. Last time they were still rumored to not be going, rumored, you know, the rumors, but now we know. So roster, roster, football roster. <laughs> what are your thoughts with the guys coming back? You know, Nick Saban, I think we agree, did a fantastic job keeping those guys, and it speaks to, you know, this is cliche, but it speaks to the process. 
So, so what do you see? You know, spring ball is still a couple months away, but what do you see for the Alabama roster going forward in football? Well, I'm excited. I think it went about as well for Alabama as it could have. As we were reporting on BAMs, the only two that we knew for sure that I thought were going pro, and they were the ones that, of course, did, were Derek King Henry and Ashawn Robinson. Uh, you know, I had been hearing that uh, Jonathan Allen would likely return now. Uh, 24 hours, you know, and 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 in the and of course even in the few hours be- before the official announcement uh, by uh, Ashawn and Derek Henry, there was some talk. 50-50 talk about Jonathan Allen going pro. Some people thought he was going to. But then it turned out that he, you know, needed uh, shoulder surgery, really on both shoulders. He wouldn't have been ready for the combine. So that was one of the big reasons. And, of course, him finishing his degree, becoming from a well-to-do family. He decides to come back. We would already known about Tim Williams and Ryan Anderson. Both of them made very sound decisions. The only other one with some smoke around him was O.J. Howard because of the kind of game he had in the national championship game. But in all honesty, no disrespect to Murph Baldwin, who uh, was is still going with the narrative that he improved as a blocker. He did, but only marginally. Uh, if you watch the national championship game with as many big plays as he made, and boy, he made he five catches for 208 and two TDs, he was on his rear end a lot as a blocker. And let's just be honest, he's still a little soft, still needs to get a little tougher, uh, but he's a supreme talent. Uh, and has a chance to come back, be uh, more featured in the offense. Jake Coker is one of my all-time favorites, but he still was a limited quarterback in some ways in the passing game. Uh, you get someone that's a, a more cerebral quarterback, uh, more like uh, Blake Barnett, who's better at going through his reads. Uh, maybe uh, O.J. Howard is a, a bigger part of the offense next year. And that's not taking a shot at Jake Coker because some of the problem was O.J. Howard. Uh, he wasn't getting open, or he was dropping the football, uh, wasn't doing his job as a blocker at times. So he had himself to blame for some of that. Uh, but I do think part of it may have been that you know uh, maybe he wasn't he, he was open on a few in a few cases, and uh, Jake Coker couldn't deliver the football because Jake improved by leaps and bounds as the year goes on, Thomas. But as we know. Uh, he struggled in the passing game because he was inexperienced going into this year and just had to continue to improve as he as he went on. And uh, and really, uh, he the thing about Jake that 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 the intangible no one knew he had was he was extremely poised and in the clutch he came through all year long. And of course, I felt like he should have been co MVP along with uh, O.J. Howard because of the throwing for the 335 yards, the deep balls he threw, also to Ardarius Stewart, the big run he made uh, to set up the, the game-clinching touchdown. Jay Coker was just a tremendous leader, had a tremendous year. But I think Alabama, you've got to be super excited on offense with Robert Foster coming back from the uh, rotator cuff, Ardarius Stewart, who was criticized early in the year but I think improved by leaps and bounds, Calvin Ridley, now O.J. Howard. Cameron Sims should be uh, much healthier in the spring. And then you've got uh, Bo Scarborough, who everybody's excited about at running back, Damian Harris, and then Blake Barnett. If you can find a center and a right tackle offensively, it could have they could have as much talent as any they've had in a long time. Agreed. And, and you know, uh, bringing up the right tackle spot, and I'm going to lean on your recruiting acumen here. Jonathan Baldwin, or is that is that or is that he just – Kind of, if you if you had to guess right now, he might be the guy. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's what I was curious about. And then center, you know, J.C. Hassenauer has to step up. But heavens to Murgatroyd, find a quarterback to give these guys the ball and watch the fireworks is is, is my feeling, and I think it's yours as well. But you yeah, know. absolutely. 
I, I completely agree. I mean, I think this team has got a chance to be really, really good. Uh, and I think with the defense, Thomas, when and you think about it, the, Jeremy Pruitt's got to be smiling from ear to ear because you get Reuben Foster back. He needed another year to slide over to be the mic, be the signal caller. Of course, some people have thought uh, Sean Dion Hamilton could, would maybe have that role, and he might. But I think both of them can play the will and the mic. Uh, Reuben's now very experienced. He improved a lot this year. And then Ryan Anderson, he was a situational guy, needs to continue to get more reps and get more time on defense. But we saw how much he's improved the last two years. Uh, Tim Williams, the sky is the limit as long as he plays more. I mean, there's no doubt uh, that uh, that uh, he has all-world ability. He needs to be better against the run, but he could be a top 15 pick next year coming back and improving his game. And then what we saw out of Rashawn Evans, who I thought should have been the defensive MVP, uh, the way and of course from what we understand that was like some of the things we we said Jeremy Pruitt as far as spread teams would have an influence on the game plan. A couple of his suggestions were to have Rashawn Evans play a bigger role. And then, of course, Deshaun Hand, and both of those guys had breakout performances. Uh, I just think overall, uh, Deshaun Robinson is a very talented player, but you have a guy like Josh Frazier who has some talent, needs to drop some weight, needs to get in better shape, but has the ability uh, to help ease the loss of uh, of uh, Deshaun Robinson. Uh, but you, when you get, when you have a Josh Frazier in the program already, uh, when you have Darren Payne, who will be a year better, when you're bringing in a Kendall Hulk Jones, I think Alabama still going to have a lot of depth on that defensive line. And O.J. Smith, another young player to watch. It's just a very exciting uh, situation when you think about that front seven at Alabama uh, because I think they've got a lot of young players who are going to get a chance to shine. And uh, another one that don't forget is Christian Miller as well, an outside pass rusher. This could be a very special unit if they can uh, just if they can find a replacement for Ashawn Robinson and Jaron Reed. Those two guys were uh, were were dogs in a good way, and uh, they set the tempo for everyone else. But they're going to have to have a couple guys inside kind of step up as guys that can play the run. Uh, but I think they have still have the talent there. It's just up for Bo, to Bo Davis to kind of uh, to get that talent you know uh, out of those guys, and then of course. They could bring in a junior college transfer or two in the fall. But it, the defensive line class should be very talented. But it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, but I think uh, Alabama's got the – on paper, they've got a chance to return to the playoffs. It's just going to be uh, – it's just going to depend on injury luck and, of course, uh, chemistry. Because they had, that, this team this year, I think we all know, had special chemistry. You're absolutely right there. And, and you have to hope that some of the returning players that are really among the elite in college football, know how to kind of translate. Or obviously, you know, Ashawn Robinson. What what was the what was the joke that Reggie Ragland said? Have you seen Ashawn? Do you want do you want to tell him no? You know, absolutely the case. But you know, even more, I, I am really excited about this team. I like where it could go. Uh, I wanted to ask you, Drew. There was an article that floated around. I, someone I think someone tweeted it at me. Deshaun Hands already doing like. 42 reps at 225 on the bench press, just complete monster. And he'd be playing defensive end in most cases. So future's bright. Now if you can keep Kirby smart from uh, recruiting away a couple of the linebackers in this state, you'll be uh, – <laughs> He'll be that. That's going to be one for John Garcia. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm not even going to touch recruiting. I, I, I fully <laughs> embrace the fact that I'm just an X's and O's guy. <laughs> well, trust me, Thomas. I just spent the greater part of an hour on the, or about an hour on the phone talking about the recruiting aspect and trying to get a, 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 a grasp on this class. And I know John's probably not sleeping a whole lot right now. And 
trying to follow every lead he can. It's just very interesting to see all the twists and turns. And sometimes it's an hour by hour thing. And with who these guys are like, it's going to be a very interesting recruiting weekend. And we're going to discuss that uh, with John Garcia. I do have an update. We're going to, we're going to have Luke Robinson on, uh, at, you know, at a later time, we're going to take a rain check. Uh, he's, uh, <laughs> he's having a great time, uh, with his family in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, but sometimes there's cell phone issues and there's, uh, you, and you, and you don't have, you want to, you want to make sure that you have a reliable, uh, way to, to get in touch with us. And it's sometimes when you're in a place like Jackson Hole, Wyoming, uh, you, there are some issues with cell service. So, uh, with the, we are going to have Luke on at a later time. We wish him all the best with he and his family. Uh, he's been a great contributor to this show. He and his partner, Jimmy Stein and talking to us, both of them will be on in the days leading up to signing day. Uh, but we will not have them tonight. But Thomas and I have had an excellent conversation going for you tonight. And, and at about 7.30, we're going to replay the Travis Ryer conversation. We think you'll really like his insight into everything. And, and, and honestly, I, Thomas, I think, continuing on the football tangent here, uh, I, this is going to be as excited as I've been for a spring practice in a long time. But And I think everybody knows uh, what I think of Blake Barnett. But uh, I've enjoyed watching like just the, magic, the magic of Lane Kiffin. And do, what he did with the Blake Sims and Jake Coker was amazing. Uh, back-to-back playoff appearances, uh, the 16th national championship. But as I tweeted today when, when the Matt Zenitz came out of AL.com with an article uh, quoting Reggie Ragland is saying that if Blake Barnett does what he's supposed to do, and he paraphrased and said he will be a monster, I do think the best is yet to come from the quarterback position at Alabama. I think Blake is an elite talent. Does he need to get bigger? No question about that. Uh, but he's six foot five. Uh, he he has a very high football IQ. Is well coached uh, by Jeff Steinberg, who I got to know rather well during the recruiting process and in, in uh, high school in Corona, California. And I just really think he stepped up in every big situation uh, in a, in seven on seven tournament and, it's a, and at the opening. Of course, now this will be real football. But he's a worker. Uh, it's something I think he's been waiting on, and I think uh, he he's I think his recruiting class is special, and I think he's a special guy, and I look forward to watching him compete. Now he has to go out and win the job. Obviously, Cooper Bateman is going to get an opportunity. Um, David Cornwell may even get a mulligan, though. Uh, much like we've seen Alec Morris leave for North Texas in the coming days for his last season since the end of the playoff run. I think at the end of the spring you could see David Cornwell move on, but he's going to get another opportunity to compete. And so it's really going to be uh, uh, those, those three and then the, the true freshman Jalen Hurts from Channel View, Texas, who impressed with his work on the scout team. Very well put together young guy, maybe only around six foot one, not as tall as some of his competitors, uh, but has an excellent arm and is a coach's son as well. I think it's going to be a fascinating battle, but I'm really, really, really excited to see uh, Blake Barnett compete. Oh, certainly. And, and, you know, a couple of tweets that sort of underpin your Blake Barnett point. There was a guy, he was one, he was one of the media members at, in Glendale. And, uh, he said, wow, Blake Barnett looks just to be about six, six, and he'll be an absolute monster when he continues to fill out. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. <laughs> well, and the, th- the thing, the key is he's, he's six foot five, you know, he, he's, he, he is a legit six, five. He and he may be a little thin right now, but he's a great athlete, and he right. has a really good mobility. He can move. He can throw inside the pocket, outside the pocket, and you know I think. I, and again, I've always felt like 
that a lot of quarterbacking is from the neck up, and I think he, he is advanced in his age. And when someone like George Whitfield, who I have a lot of respect for, who's worked with most of all in the last decade, the great quarterbacks in uh, high school and college football and guys that have moved on to the NFL level, says he's as good an 18-year-old quarterback as I've ever been around, he makes you stand up because he's not just saying that to say it. I mean, he's uh, he, you know he's worked with Cam Newtons. He's worked with a lot of great players, Johnny Manziel's. Uh, on the college level and on the pro level, Drew Brees. But if he's saying that, he's saying it for a reason. And uh, I just really think I, I'm, I it just to me with Lane Kiffin, you've seen what he could do with Jake Coker and bringing him along and and uh, and Blake Sims. But what could he do with Blake Barnett? The sky's the limit, to my, in my opinion. And that's why I think Lane Kiffin is ultimately gonna, you know, he might flirt with the NFL a little bit like he did last year. But I think he's gonna come back to Tuscaloosa for a third year. And because you made a great point on my show that you probably need to tell the listeners your thoughts and your rationale on why he wouldn't go to San Francisco or Tampa and why he would stay at Alabama. Well, sure. I, I can, I'm glad to repeat myself. The, and it's problems, and I put problems in air quotes because it's not really a problem except if you're Lane Kiffin. The problem for Kiffin at San Francisco is, first off, Jed York and Trent Baalke have done that organization no favors. Like, it, 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 you don't get as many retirees as they've gotten over the past couple of, you know, past season and a half without doing something wrong. Like, there's something that soured the milk in San Francisco. Plus, you have Chip Kelly there. And I don't have a problem with Chip Kelly as a coach. Hell, I think he's a lot of fun to watch. But <laughs> Lane Kiffin will be running a Chip Kelly system where how much control – Chip Kelly is the ultimate control freak from all reports. How much control is Chip Kelly going to give Lane Kiffin? Mm-hmm. I, I just have a hard time seeing him have much control. It just, it just doesn't compute to me. And you look at Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is in a similar situation but not as extreme. Dirk Cutter is the head coach there because Tampa Bay didn't want to lose their offensive coordinator – to another franchise, so they fired Lovey Smith and promoted Dirk Cutter. Now, Dirk Cutter has certainly earned his reputation as a really good offensive mind. He did great things with Matt Ryan, and you can argue, and I'm not desperate to argue, but I'm just saying <laughs> you can argue that Matt Ryan has not been the same since Dirk Cutter left. Think you could, yes. Yeah. But, again, you run into the same problem. How much autonomy is Lane Kiffin going to really have with Dirk Cutter? Then you transfer that over to Nick Saban. And, you know, look at Kiffin's resume the past two years. A Blitnikoff, a Heisman, two SEC championships, a national championship, and two college football playoff appearances. Doing radically different things. You know, Blake Sims, throw to Amari Cooper. Your first read is Amari your second read is Amari, and if it's not, run away. That was the majority of Alabama's offense. You know, T.J. Eldon and Derrick Henry had good seasons, but through the passing game, it was Amari Cooper and everyone else. Then you shift to this season. Jake Coker had some obvious questions. I mean, he didn't win the job until a month into the season. All right. And so you go power, 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 Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry, and more Derrick Henry. Mm-hmm. that's a radically different offensive concept than what Alabama used with Blake Sims. So 
now it's like now it's time for Lane Kiffin to prove to show how much Nick Saban trusts him. I think Nick Saban trusts Lane Kiffin to the point that the offense is going to be his own personal fiefdom. And with all the talent that Drew, you and I have enumerated very well, and I'm on the Blake Barnett train too. You know, I've because I produced the show, I had a chance to interact with the young man behind the scenes when he came on here before he came to Bama. You know, I'm I'm in his corner. He seems like a really, really nice kid. I wish the best for him. I'm in his corner and uh I really think that he'll win the job. I don't buy Cooper Bateman. I don't buy David Cornwell. Just just being honest here. And that's when that fiefdom gets really, really powerful because Barnett can do – Blake Barnett is the best parts of Blake Sims and the best parts of Jake Coker smashed into one one guy. Well said. So if Lane Kiffin wants to do it and he thinks it's going to work on the football field, he can get Blake Barnett to do it. I mean, I'm not saying he can do it all, but I'm Mm -hmm. saying the – breadth of plays, the breadth of things that Kiffin can do with Blake Barnett will be like something we've never even seen. Yeah. Just So I, I, really, I think Kiffin's going to stay. I mean, hell, I would stay because of all the toys he'd get to play with, but <laughs> I, I'm not an offensive coordinator. <laughs> Absolutely. That's a great stuff, Thomas, great opinion. And now I think what we need to do is we need to let the listeners uh, get another take on things from, as we, as I said, one of the foremost voices of Alabama football, uh, I'm I joined on a weekly basis by Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com, and he joined us fresh off a trip to the Grand Canyon uh, after the national championship game, and gave us uh, yeah, on uh, on uh, Talking Ball gave us his thoughts on the Crimson Tide. You know, after the declarations of, for the NFL draft and what the future might hold, and also uh, talked a little basketball too. Hope you enjoy this conversation uh, with myself and Travis Ryer. Travis Ryer is with us right now. Travis, how are you doing today, sir? Great. How are you, Drew? Doing well. I hope you're staying warm. That's a little frigid here in Huntsville. Uh, you know, I think it got down to about 18 degrees last night, but uh, I'm sure uh, it's going to warm up here again soon. But definitely basketball weather uh, and uh, the Tide taking on Auburn tonight, coming off the tough loss against Vandy. Seem to, you know, play good. They've been putting good first halves together, Travis, but having trouble finishing, and I think a lot of that has to do a little bit with talent level and uh, and somewhat, uh, you know, uh, some tough luck. But I, yeah, it was at least good to see Shannon Hale play a little bit better in the last game. It was, and Bandy a tough matchup. Certainly when you look at the size and versatility that that team presents, uh, not a not a, a great matchup for the Crimson Tide. But you're right, Hale showed some good things. Obasahan continues to attack the rim on a pretty consistent basis. Um, but otherwise, you're just not sure who else they're going to get it from on a night-to-night basis. You know, you saw Riley Norris with the big game mm-hmm. against South Carolina last week, but uh, it's not realistic at this point to think he's going to give you 8-3 <laughs> game in and game out. So True. it's a, sort of the, the theme for this team right now. And, um an opportunity to bounce back, though. Auburn obviously coming off a huge win over Kentucky, feeling really good about itself after a tough start to the season. But you know, I think this is a winnable game for Alabama on the road and one that uh, if they have any aspirations of maybe being a year or so ahead of schedule based on uh, you know the rebuild that Avery Johnson's looking at, and that means making an NCAA tournament run, 
it's one they've got to have. Yeah, it really is. It's, it's a game that they need to have, and especially now, I, I, he will very likely play in the game, but we don't know how effective he'll be. But Auburn, by far, uh, their best player has been Kareem Canny, and he's a little bit banged up. Yeah, and it's been a tough go from that standpoint for Bruce Pearl oh, this year. Oh, yes. Uh, very much shorthanded. Obviously, Alabama can relate to that with Dazon Ingram going out. Um you know, and losing Hale for an extended period of time there. So um, neither team, in terms of the of the project, the, the the building of a program, close to where it hopes to be in a year or two. Obviously, both programs recruiting at a pretty good level here. And you know, what I like is that in Pearl and Johnson, you got two coaches that can bring some excitement back to the rivalry on the basketball court. You know, right. Something that we really haven't had on a consistent basis unless you go all the way back to, to Sonny and Wimp, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, that, and that's true. And it, they both brought energy to the roster, uh, to the uh, to the programs, mm-hmm. and uh, you see them out and about a lot more. They're a lot more visible uh, than the two right. uh, basketball coaches have been in years past. And uh, the best way to fix the problem is to recruit and uh, as you said, they've both done a great job of that. But uh, probably you could even say more than any team in the country. I, I know uh, the Duke Blue Devils are down to about six players, but they're really selective in their recruiting for obvious reasons. But Bruce Pearl had a much more talented roster when you looked at it on paper coming into this season. But their team, more than any, at least, especially at least in the SEC, has been ravaged by injuries. It's been pretty amazing. Yeah, it has. And that's why... Uh, the the win over Kentucky was so out of the blue. Oh, you know, absolutely! Especially the way they went about it, and um, you know, it's it's it, it's a big boost for them, uh, given where it appeared their season was headed. And you know, it's big for Pearl. He went zero and two against Alabama last year, and you know, regardless of whatever sport you you're looking at, uh, kind of big to to get a win in this rivalry and. You know, for Avery, it's a chance to try to establish himself as well. But I think both coaches, if you ask them, and I, I think Avery's on record as this, they're thinking beyond state championships. And that's mm-hmm. that's what you want if you're a fan of either one of these teams. Sure, you want to beat your rival. Um, but, you know, when you look at Alabama's basketball history, uh, it, it's been much more than just winning against Auburn. You know, it's been SEC championships, SEC tournament championships, pretty good runs in the NCAA tournament, certainly to the Sweet 16 and even an Elite Eight. So they're aspiring for more, I think, on both fronts. Well, and I do think that one another thing you can take from the situation is, uh, he again, he was not as effective in the second half. But you, you've seen, and it's not, it's been kind of, it's been small things, but you, 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 Jimmy Taylor has gotten a little bit better. Yeah, I think offensively he's at least a viable option now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and seems to be doing a better job of staying out of the early foul trouble, uh, which is obviously critical to a team that has deficiencies in the post, certainly when you talk about depth-wise, although the uh, the freshman hall is, is showing some signs of being a pretty good player down the road. So, um, yeah, they need to be able to get something out of him, uh, obviously. But ultimately, this is a team that will go as far as is really guard play and wings 
will probably take it because that's where the offensive load is is going to continue to fall. Yeah, it really will, and it's, so it's going to be interesting to see how they attack them. And they need Justin Coleman had that really good run against Oregon, uh, and he uh-huh. and he played well against Winthrop. But and I, I thought he gave him some a good spark off the bench against South Carolina. But they're going to need him to make shots. And of course, Obasahan, as you said, the Alabama ha- doesn't really have a go-to guy. But if if uh, if there's really one that really needs to uh, play with a lot of energy, stay out of foul trouble, and uh, score. You know, 16 to 18 points is going to be Retno Basahan, and you'd like to also find a way to get, you know, 11 to 13, 14 points out of Justin Coleman uh, in this matchup as well. But he's going to be going up head up with Canny. We don't know how healthy he will be, but uh, the guard play is going to be crucial tonight. Oh, it's all about that tonight. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, it's, it's again, it's, it's what can they get. As you said, they know the primary option a lot of nights is going to be Retno. Uh, but what can they get out of the complimentary guys? Uh, the guys you talked about along with Norris, Arthur Edwards, you know, what, what yeah, he's kind of disappeared nice a little bit. Yeah. They need him to sort of give them more offensively than he has in recent weeks. So, um, it's kind of a rotating cast of characters and that's good in some ways, but scary in others because you, you like to think that two or three of those guys can give you enough to go along with. Obasahan on most nights, but there's going to be some nights mm-hmm. when the when when three or four of them don't, and, and those are going to be the ones that are sort of tough for this team that that is so perimeter oriented uh, for the most part to to overcome. Yeah, and, and of course it gets doesn't get any easier uh, after they play the Auburn Tigers tonight, eight o'clock on SEC Network. It's just been announced via Cecil Hurd on Twitter that the game is sold out Saturday. But of course, there's going to be the the parade and the national championship celebration. Sure. But uh, the top pick in the draft uh, for the upcoming draft, unless something bizarre happens, uh, is bringing the LSU Tigers and Johnny Jones to town. And of course, Johnny Jones should be a familiar name to Alabama fans. Yeah, should be, and and it's always interesting. It seems like LSU basketball is in town with something pretty significant related to Alabama football is going down. You got the parade Saturday. You remember Nick Saban was hired basically and That's introduced right. the day that that Alabama played LSU back in early two thousand seven. So, um, but yeah, if you like basketball and and on any level, yeah, it, it's a game you want to see for yourself. Obviously, if you're an Alabama fan, you want to support your team. But to see Ben Simmons in the one opportunity that you're going to get, essentially, at, at Coleman Coliseum is is going to be worth the price of admission. And, um, you know, Alabama's a fun team to watch, too. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's far more easier on the eyes than it's been in recent years. So at least, if nothing else, the entertainment value uh, is a good bit better than in, in what we've seen in the last uh, few years. Absolutely. Uh, and again, uh, anybody that's listening, uh, if you're a college basketball fan, you know. But if not, Ben Simmons is the real deal. Uh, he's a guy that could go for 30 or 40 on a night, can handle the ball like a guard. Uh, you know, he's he's someone – he reminds me of Kevin Garnett, really. Uh, I think he's going to be that kind of player in the NBA and uh, be a – be a, a transcendent guy, and uh, whoever gets the first pick, I, there's no doubt in my mind it's going to be Ben Simmons. But if you want to see a great basketball player and a team at LSU that's very dangerous, very talented, uh, be in Tuscaloosa on Saturday. And, of course, it's going to be the celebration, Travis, uh, kind of the cherry on top of the Sunday. And uh, Nick Saban and the coaching staff taking full advantage. 
Uh, it's going to be a who's who, sounds like. Maybe, I know this is saying a lot, considering how many number one recruiting classes in a row Nick Saban's had and how many great players he's brought in, but many in the recruiting industry, and I know you follow it, uh, especially at BeAtBamaOnline.com. You guys do a great job, but uh, it could be the most star-studded weekend that he's had. That's saying a lot. Yeah, it's almost like their recruiting version of the onside kick against huh. Clemson. They're going, Good point. They're going all in weekend. <laughs> Um, I mean, obviously they're going to have a great class. We know that. But to what extent could be heavily determined by what happens this weekend. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's it's a recruiting weekend with a championship parade as a part of it. Put it that way. It used to be that it was the championship weekend or the championship celebration, and then they would have the recruits in. But it's all about recruiting, as we know. And so uh, as much as I'm sure that Nick Saban will enjoy this, uh, part of it, 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 it's a way to help recruit. I mean, that's that's essentially what it is, and uh, it it's shaping up to be a huge weekend in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, it really is shaping up. It's a, you know, uh, there, there's going to be more five stars. I think in one weekend could be eight or nine even uh, before it's all said and done. Which right. Is, which is uh, just uh, when you think about that, there's not really many five stars in the country. Usually about 25 and. I just that would tell you there's nearly half of them in Tuscaloosa. That's pretty uh, great accomplishment by Coach Saban and his staff. But speaking of the staff, Travis, uh, we know you have your ear to the ground very closely. Still uh, haven't announced the addition uh, to replace Mel Tucker, who is now the defensive coordinator at Georgia. Uh, I, you know, I've heard some rumblings about Freddie Roach. Even heard rumblings right. about Chris Kiffin, who was, of course, riding with Nick Saban and the staff. Uh, supposedly, uh, you know, after the national championship game, and of course that is because of his brother Lane. But he's a defensive line coach, so you have to wonder kind of where he fit in the equation. So, what are you hearing via the coaching staff? Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I'm like you. You know, Freddie Roach has made some sense on 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 a on a couple of different levels. Um, you know, it, it's not often that we see guys go from administrative roles to on the field under Nick Saban. Although we obviously saw that with defensive coordinator Jeremy Pruitt uh, five or six years ago. So that's not to say it's it's certainly not possible. And um, you know, it's. The, the Kiffin stuff is interesting. I, I've I've been told that if there was one assistant Jeremy Pruitt could have brought with him on the field from Georgia, it probably would have been Tracy Rocker. Wow, that may be a little bit of a surprise. But like Chris Kiffin, he's also a defensive line coach, so mm-hmm. it doesn't really fit up. They obviously have Bo Davis doing a great job from that regard. So it's it's a little bit of a mystery. I think some of the names we're talking about uh, are, are in the ballpark, but. Um, uh, you know, you keep waiting for hints on the recruiting trail because True. that's sort of how it got out with Tosh LaFoy last year. You know, guys are going out and recruiting. So uh, it'll be very interesting to find out and see how this plays out. But um, I'm kind of pulling for Freddie. You know, I just think he's a, uh, a young guy with a lot of potential, uh, obviously understands a, a position. But as we both know, there's going to have to be an extreme comfort level for Nick Saban with the next guy as a recruiter, first mm-hmm. and foremost. Right. And, and that that's where it's going to have to be uh, forever for whoever lands in that spot. And then, and then you, what, as far as the NFL draft, uh, Alabama came out about as good as they could, Travis. Uh, the two that everyone expected, uh, Derrick Henry and Ashawn Robinson, uh, declare for the draft. Uh, Derrick Henry should go no lower than the second round. Deshaun Robinson 
uh, consensus first-round trip pick, whether that be in the middle of the first round or the late first round. He will be uh, uh, someone that's selected on the first day. Now, uh, Jonathan Allen, a lot of you know smoke around him, but he decides to come back, and I think a lot of that had to do uh, with his shoulders. He's had some issues uh-huh. with them for the last couple of years and played through that and still was very, very productive. Uh, but I think he also felt like he was kind of like Reggie Ragland last year, someone that could be a first-round pick but might end up in the second, and he wanted to get healthy, uh, get his shoulders uh, corrected, and then come out and produce again and uh, and cement that first-round selection after his senior season. Yeah, and Allen's also the kind of guy that if you were to ask me, you know, who turns down early-round money to come back to school, <laughs> that's Allen. <laughs> yeah. he's, a, he's a guy that's very grounded, uh, has goals beyond football that are pretty obvious, um, so going back for another year makes sense on, on a lot of levels, although in, in a lot of instances it wouldn't. So, yeah, when you look at the way that they came out of this deal with only really Robinson and Henry being the, the upper-round guys that they were worried about losing, making their way onto the NFL, as expected, it went about as, as – it, it went as well as they could have hoped, I think. And so uh, in a great spot – and. You talk about a recruiting class with what they're bringing back and their and their upperclassmen and and uh, seniors specifically that were you know, draft eligible this year. Uh, they're they're a, they're way ahead of the curve, but we're seeing it nationwide too, Drew. A lot of guys coming back this year. I think maybe lessons are being learned. You know, I mean, we're we're seeing too many guys essentially declare early football retirement by coming right. out. That and that's really what it is in a lot of cases where you see guys. Coming out, I mean, you're essentially saying I'm I'm done because it, it makes zero sense. Yeah, because what does the NFL stand for? Not for long. <laughs> and so that, that, that if you if you make the wrong decision, it could be even a shorter time. And uh, well, and it's hard enough to it's hard enough to stay in the league as a mid round pick as mm-hmm. an undrafted free agent. You have literally one percent chance maybe of of making it. And I know there's great stories where guys take that route and do great things, and that's. That's super, but it is the exception, certainly, not the rule. And it's sad to see guys basically in their careers in a lot of instances by, you know, making that kind of move. Well, and I, you know, I think several Alabama guys were wise. Reuben Foster, uh, he never, I, I don't, I'm not sure he tweeted anything out, didn't really see anything. Right. But, uh, he made the wise decision to come back and get another year. He he, he was able to stay healthy this season and, and learn. Mm-hmm. And I thought he improved, Travis, his all-around game dramatically, even from the spring through the season. No doubt about it. And you're right. I think the big red flag on Ruben is health. I mean, when you look at the number of head-slash-neck issues he's had, he needed a year like that, but he needs another one too. Mm-hmm. And, and not only to – show that he can stay healthy, um, but also that he can be an every-down signal caller type, too, which is what we saw Reggie Ragland basically come back to do this year. So made sense on a lot of different levels. But, uh, yeah, with what Alabama has at the position right now, they really needed Foster to come back for this extra year and uh, this this last year and and, and help out with, with Sean Dion Hamilton, Keith Holcomb, Adonis Thomas and maybe a couple of these five stars that could be coming in here. Do you? And uh, there's been some buzz about it, Travis. And we saw him on the field, and hopefully it's a kind of a breakout performance for him 
going into his junior year. But any thoughts uh, on Rashawn Evans perhaps moving inside? You know, that's going to be fascinating to watch. I, I'm not sure he'll make a full-fledged move to inside, Drew. Right, right. But I think in that sort of what I call utility backer role that you saw a guy like Dylan Lee and you've seen guys in the past sort of take on, I, I could see that. And when I watched Georgia with Jeremy Pruitt, you saw Leonard Floyd really move around a good bit. Mm-hmm. You saw him sometimes at inside linebacker. You saw him on the edge. And it looked like Pruitt was very intent on getting he, uh, Jordan Jenkins, and Lorenzo Carter on the field together. Mm-hmm. And so that has me thinking maybe we see that with Rashawn Evans, Ryan Anderson, and Tim Williams this year. I got I to gotta say, with Ryan Anderson, Tim Williams coming back, uh, Jonathan Allen, uh, one of the first people you think about that's just got to be smiling and being extremely excited is Jeremy Pruitt. No doubt about it. I mean, you're talking about your 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 sack production, basically. <laughs> all coming um, back. <laughs> yeah, it's all coming back, and um, you know, I think they feel he, you know, as a secondary guy, he has to like what he sees coming back there. Yeah, losing Cyrus Jones is a, is a blow. So is uh, you know, Geno Matthias Smith to an extent. But you know, you got your primary playmaker at safety coming back. I think Marlon Humphrey is a guy in a year from now that we may be talking about as an early departure for the NFL because he has just unlimited potential at the position. But, you know, there's some some guys waiting there at corner, too. A guy like Kendall Sheffield, who registered this year. Um, Anthony Averett's been in the program. Some X-Factors back there. Tony Brown, does he ever get it figured out? Um, You know, and and Hootie Jones, Sean Burgess-Becker, some some question marks at safety, but um, they're in pretty good shape back there based on the last couple of recruiting classes. Yeah, and I was going to ask you about Sheffield. It's in your piece on six players on the clock. He's he's someone that we've kind of heard buzz from that redshirted, uh-huh. much like Marlon Humphrey a year ago. Yep. Many thought he would be on the field, but he redshirted. Marlon Humphrey uh, turned into a, an excellent uh, player as a true freshman, or excuse me, as a redshirt freshman after the redshirt for the Tide, and Kendall Sheffield could be on the same path. Yeah, overshadowed by Minka Fitzpatrick, obviously playing this year as a true freshman. But when you look at Kendall Sheffield right now, I don't know if the guy will be able to play or not. But if he can't, he definitely looks like he can. I mean, (laughs) he looks like the prototype big-time corner right now. And so, yeah, my expectation would be that Minka probably becomes a starting corner at Cyrus's spot. But they still need that third corner, or they like to have that third corner to play that star position. So I would expect Minka to still be a strong possibility to slide inside in the nickel and dime, but you got to backfill with a third corner in that instance. So uh, that should put Sheffield in a pretty good spot to, to challenge some other guys for that for that job. And then, of course, Ronnie Harrison had a nice freshman year. It was a little uh-huh. bit of a bumpy ride, but you can, everyone can see the talent. And now with Eddie Jackson making the wise decision to return because I think he needs to work on his physicality and his run support uh, and just continue to get more comfortable at a position. You know, he hasn't played uh, very long, only this past season. But uh, Eddie Jackson, Ronnie Harrison, very talented duo uh, that could be uh, that, that could be back there next yep. to, in the back four for Alabama. Really could and, and got to figure out a third safety there too, even uh-huh. if it is Harrison. So that's where Tony Brown again. You know, it, yep. will, will he get it figured out? Will he be a, a long-term possibility down the road for this program? And 
Um, you know, Maurice Smith, a veteran that people forget about a lot, but I think he'll factor in there in some of that nickel and dime stuff as well. And, um, you know, big spring coming up for uh, a couple of the, the other guys. I, I think Sean Burgess Becker still has a chance to maybe more of a strong safety type. Right. Um, but, but yeah, I, I, I think he has a chance to be pretty good. And then another uh, player I'm excited about, we saw what he did in the second half of the national championship game and, uh, he, people sometimes, uh, you know, they always focus on the next recruiting class. But Deshaun Hand was the number one player in the country by Rivals.com <laughs> two years ago. Has been a backup at Alabama, but he started showing that ability in the national championship game. Uh, he also likes the microphone. Uh, he does, and <laughs> um, you know, it's interesting. You look at a couple of his recruiting classmates that went to Texas A and M, and. Uh, Miles Garrett mm-hmm. and Derek Barnett that went to Tennessee, they're already established veterans in the SEC. And Deshaun, he goes to Alabama, kind of has to wait his turn. But, no, there's no doubt that, that he has a chance to be, you know, as good as he was built. We've already seen flashes of it. It's just been a depth situation that he's been in at UA, and now it's his time to shine. And, you know, that trio of ends that they bring back now with Hand, Allen, and Alvin Tomlinson, one of the more undervalued players on this team, um, that that leaves them in a in a really good spot. Obviously, they like more depth there, uh, but in terms of production potential, uh, those three can can put up some really big numbers in 2016. And finally, uh, another guy that you mentioned, and he was excellent as a freshman, but his potential the next two seasons because. He's he will he's got two more years I think before he moves on to the NFL. But uh, Darren Payne he can turn into another Jaron Reed and Ashawn, not mm-hmm. just someone that's a nose or a zero technique, but that can play all over the defensive line. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think people look at him and you think, oh, a nose tackle in the base defense, but he's more than that, I think. And I think he showed flashes of that this year. He showed you some interior pass rush uh, when given the opportunity. Certainly has some polishing to do. No one would argue that, but um, in terms of being able to play all three downs, I think he's got the ability to do that. And so, you know, certainly in the nickel, um, in that in that role that we saw Ashawn Robinson kind of handle with Jonathan Allen at the other inside spot on, on a lot of occasions, uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see Payne and evolve into some of that this year at least. Maybe not all the time, but um, yeah, he's 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 the next big guy that isn't scheme exclusive. I mean, he doesn't have to just play in the base. He, he can play, I think, in, in in all the packages they have. He really can. Well, Travis, man, we always appreciate the conversation. Uh, great stuff is it every week. Uh, just let everybody know, of course, about your Twitter feed. And, of course, I know BamaOnline.com, it will, they will be all over the basketball team. Andrew, that was uh... – Let's just say that was a hell of an interview. I was thoroughly entertained. <laughs> yeah, Travis is always great. Uh, he and again that we we started off a little hoops and he did a great job analyzing that. But then the football talk, he's always and uh, personnel wise, he does such a great job of breaking things down and talking about the future and what people's roles could be on the football team. Just always great stuff with Travis Ryer. Just a, one of the uh, one of the sharpest guys when it comes to Alabama football and analyzing if there is in the business. Absolutely no, I mean it's and, and 
You know, I guess uh, as an amateur football guy, the fact that he and I agreed, I'll, I'll take that feather, put it in my cap. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Thomas. I mean, that's why I have you two guys on the show on Talking Ball quite a bit. You both have a very high uh, football intellect and uh, can talk the, the game very well, verbalize it. And, and Travis is, you know, he's a, he's a very humble guy as well. I mean, he played college football and, uh, you know, and uh, has has covered Alabama for people for you know sh- shouldn't uh, forget he's covered the beat before Nick Saban. I mean, he's been there for really covering it over a decade, and uh, he and, and again he's uh, he shoots it from the hip and uh, and he gives you his honest opinion. And I think uh, and, and and he does it in a way that's very easy to understand, and that's why that uh, I, I enjoy how, having him on every week on Talking Ball, and I thought. Our listeners here on BAMS Radio would like to a chance to uh, be able to to get get a gist of one of those conversations. Oh, certainly, absolutely, and uh, I, I expect feedback if you're listening to BAMS Radio, you silly listeners. But we are still efforting. Carrie is running late, but that's all right. Absolutely, and we're going to take our break here in a couple of minutes. Uh, in about a minute or two, we're going to have our eight o'clock break. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll be back with you at about five after. Uh, when Thomas and I give Thomas and I a chance to recharge our batteries a little bit and get our ducks in a row, and we'll have carry on with us soon. And then at 8:15, uh, we're going to get a chance to pick the brain of the foremost source of Bama recruiting, along with Rodney Ora, TiderInsider.com. That's John Garcia, who has. I, 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 the first thing I'm going to ask him is how much sleep has he gotten uh, in the past probably 72 hours, uh, because. Yeah. This uh, I'm following this recruiting situation with Alabama, and it's driving me out of my mind. So I, I'm not sure. I can only imagine, and I don't eat, sleep, and breathe it 24/7, almost like Tom or like uh, excuse me, like John does. And it's going to be interesting to, to see what John's take is on things. Is we've got the last two uh, recruiting weekends upon us these next two weeks, and really this coming, starting today, really. Uh, there, there may have even been. We'll ask John if we there was they were slated to be a, a, a visitor or two on Thursday. Did they get into town? And then they'll really start arriving tomorrow. Right. And I have to tell you, Drew, that um, it, it was interesting. There was a kid. This is not really Alabama news in the strict right. sense, but mm-hmm. there was a kid from McGill that committed to USC. Right. The power of T. Martin is showing through in a <laughs> crazy way. You know, for fans that don't know, T. Martin, formerly from Mobile, USC offensive coordinator, but that fight ain't that fight ain't over yet. Put it to you that way. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, we saw with Vellis Jones that was still an ongoing kind of situation, but Alabama and Auburn didn't really push for that young man, even though I think he's a very good player. Uh, but we will see. I mean, uh, I saw on Twitter, as you said. Ben Thomas, great guy that does a good job covering uh, the the uh, Mobile area for AL.com in the coastal region. He was the first one that basically had that. And it's uh, 2017 receiver Marlon Williams committing from the state champion 7A, uh, McGill Tool and Yellow Jackets. So an honor for that young man. And uh, he he uh, he had a really he had his only other offers were from Troy and South Alabama and of that ilk, but he was getting interest, of course, from Alabama and Auburn, but Southern Cal was the first major school to go ahead and offer him, and he jumped on it. So congratulations to him and the McGill program. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, I'm i not as crazy about my high school anymore because it's been 10 years, but good job, guys. <laughs> absolutely. Well, we're going to go on our little uh, five-minute uh, sabbatical here, and we'll be back on uh, BAMS Radio. Stay with us. 
as we're about to crank it up this second hour and talk a bunch of recruiting uh, with John Garcia. And, of course, Kerry Clark will be joining us intermittently. Speaking of cranking it up, here's our break music. <laughs> And uh, we are back with our second hour of BAM's radio. You know, Drew, we, we, we kind of foreshadowed his coming uh, before we went to break. And to my abject pleasure, I screened a number that I hadn't screened before, but it turns out it was Kerry Clark. So I'm going to go on and bring him on. Kerry, glad to be with you in the second hour. How are you this evening, my friend? Well, I'm doing well considering the uh, rain is pouring down in Birmingham, and but I'm pretty fired up because I just got out of a uh, UA tip-off club meeting over at the Bright Star. So not only did I get some good food, but I got to hear a solid hour of Scott Pospickle breaking down everything Alabama, from recruiting to 
card players to strengths and weaknesses to so it was really really a breath of fresh air when when you get to hear a guy that's you know not the button down Anthony Grant type assistant coach that just gets up there and basically goes off a of script. He was uh he went on his own for like twenty, twenty five minutes and then he took questions for another thirty, thirty five and he took every question everybody had to ask and I tell you what, I'm excited about the future of the UA basketball program as I'm driving through this rain in Bessemer. Well, that's great to hear, Kerry. And uh, so I, I wanted to reiterate because uh, at first I thought it was Bob Simon that was speaking, so it was Scott Pospickle. Yeah, it was going to be Bob, and then uh, okay, Scott decided that he needed to come up here and do some recruiting today and tomorrow. And Bob was asked by Coach Shaver to stay back and help with the LSU game plan because, you know, Bob's the associate coach. So we're going to have Bob, but not till Monday, February 8th. Um, we ended up getting Scott tonight, and I tell you, Drew, I've never met him before. Um, he's one of those guys that comes up to you and looks at your name tag and starts calling you by your name. And, I mean, he, there was no question in the lobby or at the microphone that, that was left unanswered. It was just uh, – I never met him before. I had a feeling he was a pretty good guy, but he's just a just a super ambassador for Alabama. And and I tell you, if you ever get a chance, let him tell you the story of how he got hired. He uh, he is really really fired up about being in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, I've met him a couple of times. He's a a great guy. He's been down to for a couple of tournaments in in the Madison County area. He was at the N two Hoops Invitational for Thanksgiving at Bob Jones, and then was of course at the Huntsville Times Classic, uh, especially marveling at the finals at a sellout that we had the hard sellout over 3000 people uh, to see Johnson and Lee and quickly realized that, uh, that, that at least in Madison County in the Huntsville, North Alabama area, basketball is king over football as far as high school athletics. And he was marveling at the, uh, just the crowd and the energy and the passion uh, for basketball. And yeah, he's a great guy. He's someone that always says hello. And uh, you can tell he's going to be a good recruiter because uh, he's, uh, he's, he's definitely without a doubt a people person. Yeah, and he's uh, he's been a he's a legendary AAU coach in Texas. Uh, he ran the Texas Titans program, and he coached people like Julius Randle and, and guys like that, and had some funny stories about that. And uh, he knows what it takes to win, and he knows uh, the kind of player that Alabama needs to get Coach Johnson's program going like they wanted to, like we all wanted to. And uh, I tell you, if I'm a recruit and I meet this guy, I mean, he's got a fan for life. He's already got one in me, but. Uh, I, I'm just fired up, Drew. I mean, I never heard Scott speak, and uh, like I said, he went for I, counting the questions. He went for like an hour, and that just doesn't happen at, at booster club meetings, not very often. Yeah, it doesn't, and uh, everybody I think is excited about the uh, direction of the program. Tough loss in Auburn uh, this Tuesday, this past Tuesday. Thomas and I kind of broke that down in the first hour, the first segment of the show. Atrocious officiating, but it was uh, on both sides really. But especially down the stretch, uh, in the uh, in, in Auburn's favor, and Auburn won the game. Uh, they were the better team that night. Shot the ball better than Alabama, but I think Alabama is going to uh, be uh, on firing on all cylinders when they come to Tuscaloosa. I like Alabama's chances in the rematch with the Auburn Tigers. And I'll say this, and uh, uh, Thomas quoted Jimmy Stein, but Alabama's coming. Uh, they so people better get their licks in now because the roster is going to be dramatically different even next year, and so I think Alabama is going to. Uh, you know they've taken their lumps this year. They do have three top twenty-five wins, and they may get some more before the years are gone. But 
there's some square pegs and round holes right now. The, Avery Johnson doesn't have a loaded gun. When he does, people are going to be in trouble. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll reiterate something, um, something that was pointed out by John Calipari a few weeks ago, Drew. And, you know, people wonder about Avery Johnson, you know, what can he do at this level? Uh, and John Calipari reiterated, and I'll have to paraphrase this because it's a family show, but he reiterated the conversation he had with Del Harris, the uh, longtime coach of the Houston Rockets, and, and they were talking about Avery and, and Coach Cal said, you know, Avery uh, Johnson's doing pretty good with what he's got to work with over at Alabama. And Del Harris was like, well, what the hell did you expect? I mean, I mean, the guy was winning 60 games a year in the NBA, the highest level of ball. I mean, and I'll say parentheses, crap, the guy can coach. That wasn't what Dale said, but, you know, crap, the guy can coach. I, you know, and one thing that, that Scott reiterated tonight, Avery is 100% bought in at Alabama. Uh, every time you see Avery, he's wearing something crimson with a A on it. And they actually have a rule, Drew and Thomas. Avery has a rule that you don't come to work in his office unless you've got something on. It's just a polo shirt, whatever, with Alabama on it. That applies to every assistant coach, you know, every person on the staff. Everybody has to wear something with Alabama on it every day to the office. He is all about some Alabama. And I'm going to tell you, that, you sit and I sit to and he gets that gun loaded, well, as he says, buckle up. Yep, I don't think there's any question about that. I think everyone's excited. Everyone's excited uh, uh, for uh, this uh, the the, uh, the rest of this season to play out and to see what they can do in the uh, spring signing period to fill out and finish this recruiting class, especially in the post. Yeah, and that was a question he was asked. And, you know, Drew, he can't name names. He's just mm-hmm. not legally allowed to do that. But he assured us, that there will be at least one, maybe two, but at least one post player added to the program in April. Uh, it, it could be a number of people, Drew. Uh, it could be someone who is, and we'll talk off the air about this later, I promise you. It could be someone who is committed to another program right now. It could be someone who is a graduate transfer. It could be a high school player. Uh, it could be a junior college player. Uh, but there will be at least one big man. And I can give you this tidbit to you, Drew, and to our listeners. Although a name was not given, I was told that if we do our investigative due diligence on a big man who will be walking around in the arena Tuesday night of next week against Tennessee, we may have some insight as to a potential late big man signee as a visitor that night. Interesting. So he may be... visiting for Tennessee as uh, the Vols uh, and Rick Barnes come to Tuscaloosa following LSU's visit this Saturday uh, and with Ben Simmons coming to town in a game that I think Alabama has a chance to win, but they're going to just have, they're going to have to shoot the basketball better than they did uh, in Auburn arena. Well, yeah. And specifically at the free throw line, Drew, uh, he said it's the most frustrating thing to the coaches because they sit there and they drill the players every day on what they need to do with their form and where they need to place the ball, where they need to release it. And it's not just Jimmy Taylor, it's other guys too. But then the game starts and something changes. And you and I both know we we played the game. You know, there's a big difference when the scoreboard clock is, is on and there's three officials out there and there's a gym full of people. That's a hell of a lot of difference between when you're just sitting there and practice with a manager shooting free throws. I get that. 
But something happens to our guys, and it's, it's just going to take repetition. And, and quite frankly, Drew, if Alabama had been a better free-throwing shooting team, Alabama would be 5-0 and in SEC play right now. Yeah, they need to – and if they had made open shots, they had a bunch of open threes and, and looked against Auburn. Uh, even with the atrocious officiating, they still could have easily won the game. They didn't make those shots. Auburn did. Kareem Canney, take your hats off to him. Cinnamon Bowers had the best game of his life. And then, you know, Tyler Harris uh, was able to find a way to manufacture uh, 14 points for the Tigers. But they got that chapter of the rivalry. We'll see what happens uh, when they come back to Tuscaloosa in just a few short weeks. But uh, we're about to have John Garcia on, uh, Kerry. And I got to tell you, I don't know if you heard uh, the part of the broadcast, but this recruiting class is ever-changing, sometimes hour-to-hour. Hour. I know day-to-day. Day, uh, now we uh, understand that uh, there is a chance Jonathan Kongbo may not be a part of this class. Uh, and, of course, we're going to ask John about that because of the, you know, because of uh, continuing to evaluate players and, and seeing what's going to happen uh, this coming weekend. His visit has now been changed to the 29th. Uh, as of now, he's still slated to take that visit. I know there's been reports that he would go to Washington or USC. I still think if Alabama wants him to come in, he will be coming in. But we're going to have to see how this weekend visit with all the guys they got coming in plays out. And I realize, Drew, I realize that you and I have a mutual friend who has a great contact in the football building. I get that. But I have a friend who is in my – basketball booster club, who knows that same individual. And the information that we had on Jonathan Congo just a couple of days ago, it's changed. Uh, at this point, now John may or may not agree with this, but at this point, my best information is he does not have a committable offer. That could change the visit next weekend. But at this hour, if signing day was tomorrow, Drew, Jonathan Congo would not be in this class. And that's phenomenal. That tells they're a lot better about some other kids that we might not have thought we had such a great shot at. But is John on hold right now? Uh, uh, we, we do not have John. No, with us he just he just jumped on hold. Yeah, he's okay. just going. We're, we're about we're about to have him on with us in just a few minutes, a couple minutes. Okay. okay. Well, uh, we probably need to plan on having him for about half an hour, uh, at least. But uh, yeah. I agree. Again, you know, this you talk about fluid and changing hourly as far as who's going to be in the class and who's not. There's some guys that we didn't think we had an ice ball's chance in hell on, and now we may be actually about to steal some people that we didn't think we were going to get. Uh, and I'm not saying it's going to be a number one class, dude, but I can guarantee anybody listening to this program it's a top three class. Yeah, there's no doubt. I, at worst, it will be a three class, but it will have a good chance to be – uh, number one, uh, and uh, I, and I think we do have John Garcia now. We can ask him uh, about that. John, uh, I guess I just want to know right now. I, I know it's been crazy for me to follow this, and uh, I don't do it for a living anymore. I know you do. How crazy is this getting? Yeah, I mean, this is um, this is going to be the most dramatic <laughs> national signing day. Um, easily for Alabama fans in recent memory, certainly in my time uh, covering Alabama. I mean, I've never seen this many guys who are elite waiting all until the last couple of days, and most of them waiting all the way till National Signing Day. Yeah, it's crazy. And I guess we, we were, as you came on, we were just talking about the Jonathan Kongbo situation. 
uh, you know, we we thought he was uh, going to be a priority guy for Alabama for the for uh, for the last few weeks, uh, and it seemed as though there was a high likelihood he could be in the class. And in the last 24 to 48 hours, as we know, with Nick Saban and his coaching staff, they continue to evaluate and reevaluate. That may not be 100 percent the case now. What is your uh, intel on the situation, and what can you add? Well, yeah, I mean, like you said, a couple of days ago, Jonathan Kongbo was visiting this weekend, and there was a sense that right. if, if Bama pushed, you know, he was going to to be in the class. And now not only is, is there maybe not a push for him, but he's not even scheduled to visit this weekend or next weekend as of the last hour that I tried to confirm a couple of things. So right now not penciled in to visit Alabama at all, and obviously for a junior college kid from the West Coast, I mean, he's not going to end up in the class without taking a visit. Now, whether mm-hmm. he initiated that or Alabama initiated that, and, and we'll go with the latter based on what we know right now, um, you know, it, it's almost a moot point. Uh, so it's, it's it's really about sort of characterizing the kids that could be in the class. And, and like Kerry said, as of this hour, Jonathan Kongbo is on the outside looking in, whether it's his doing or Alabama. Yeah, and that, that's John, very interesting. Go ahead, Kerry. John, just to follow up on that, I, I, I should know the answer to this question because my nephew played with Derek Brown. He's a year older, and my sister-in-law is friends with Martha Brown, the mom. But I'm starting to get a sense that, that Alabama – and, you know, I'm starting to get a sense, John, that Alabama may have a little bit better shot at Derrick Brown than, than we perhaps thought a few days ago. What you, what's your insight on that? Well, yeah, you know, you talk about knowing where Bama stands with a kid. I mean, there has never been a slowdown for Derrick Brown, whether you're talking about a year ago, six months ago, a month ago, last week, this week, you know. So that that is one very, very clear point. Uh, about Brown, of course, already took that official visit to Alabama, and it went well. You know, it's it wasn't widely reported because he's not, uh, you know, necessarily the most media-friendly guy, and that's his prerogative. However, um, things went well in Tuscaloosa. Like you said, mom is important. She went with him on that trip, opened her eyes a little bit, and since then Alabama has continued to push Nick Saban personally helping to continue that push as we could, you know, come to expect with kids in the state of Georgia, you know, once the the Kirby Smart move went down, him tag teaming things with Jeremy Pruitt. So not a big surprise, but, yeah, Bama's certainly more relevant than we might have thought it would have been with him. I mean, I would have guessed he would have been committed to Georgia at this point already, and perhaps he would be if, if the old regime was still there. However, it is not, and, and he is not committed at this point. So certainly Bama's still in the mix and, and clearly looking to add at least one more interior defensive lineman, and, and, and Brown would be uh, just about the second-best guy to Rashawn Gary, who's also creeping up uh, the, the likelihood and the trend meter, however you want to call it. Uh, very, very good vibes for Alabama, really for the first time in a while with Gary. So things uh heading in the right direction when it comes to five-star defensive tackles in Alabama, and that's not something we should uh, – I guess expect at this point, but it is the reality. Despite all the guys coming back and despite uh, seemingly a lack of momentum with a lot of those guys, uh, like you said, even up to a week ago. Well, and, John, I wanted to ask you about that before we expand on the Gary tidbit because there had been a lot of talk this week about him uh, visiting Alabama the weekend before signing day. But with Derrick Brown, obviously he's visited Alabama uh, back in late in, in, the, in late December. Obviously that went well. Jeremy Pruitt was there uh, before they uh, broke for the bowl practice. 
Now he's visited Auburn. That visit was last weekend. He's on his way to Georgia this weekend. Uh, talked to someone today over there. They still felt like they had a good shot. But I've also talked to someone else who's very knowledgeable who thinks Georgia might be out of it. What is your take? As you just, we we both agree that we at this point in the process, uh, even a month ago, I would have thought Derek Brown, Georgia was the favorite, and he might be committed there, as you just said. But where, where, what is your take on uh, on the just? Obviously, Alabama's made a push, and he's he's visited uh, Auburn. Is Georgia still in it with Derek Brown? Yeah, absolutely. Based on everything I'm hearing, Georgia is is not only in it, but right there with you know, the Iron Bowl rivals uh, for his commitment at this time. Tennessee's still technically in it, as is Mississippi State. You know, he hasn't officially eliminated uh, those guys. But, you know, reality tells you it's going to come down to either uh, Alabama, Auburn, or Georgia. And, again, whoever gets the last visit, it's it's always interesting. And for a guy like Brown, really interesting because he's got a lot of time in between now and signing day, only one visit in between. He's not one of these taken – you know, a visit every single uh, weekend, a midweek visit like Nigel Warrior's on right now at Auburn. So he's going to have much more time than most of these guys we've been discussing to truly sit down and, and figure this thing out. So not only uh, interesting in that note, but, but where it could change. And it could change a couple of times leading up to that day. It's something we saw with Isaac Nada out at the Army Bowl. On Tuesday, he was leaning towards Michigan. And then on Wednesday and Thursday, it switched over to Georgia, and that's where he, you know, committed during the game, and, and that's where he ultimately enrolled. So when they're, when kids have a, a week or so to really sit down and think about things, a lot can change, even if nothing is initiated from the coaching staff. So that's where it's going to be interesting to see with Derek Brown, not only where he ends up, but who finished second and, and how much did it change there at the very, very end. He's going to be one to keep a close eye on. And before I let Kerry interject with his next question, but – to expand on your point about Rashawn Gary, is there new information? Has he solidified yeah. a visit to Alabama on the 29th? Not solidified just yet, but Alabama, of course, would love to host him. That's the, the biggest discussion point right now. And it's still going on with the coaching staff. Now, here's the good news for Alabama. You know, Brian Doan, who's who's been tied in with Gary since he was an eighth grader, you know, that's how hyped he's been up in New Jersey. You know, they're so impressed with Alabama's most recent push, meaning in the last couple of weeks, you know, Nick Saban and the whole cavalry went up there, uh, I believe, Wednesday. They're so impressed with that um, that they're going to probably see Tuscaloosa in any capacity. So that's really interesting. So if he takes the final official to Clemson where he has a family tie, he's got an uncle 10 miles away or so, if he does take that as his final official, that doesn't mean, one, Alabama's out, and two, he won't visit Tuscaloosa before signing day on his own dime. So, I mean, that if that doesn't show interest, I don't know what does. You don't just do something like that to get your name in the paper or to get, you know, uh, some buzz or some late recruiting hype. You do that because you're truly interested. So credit to Nick Saban. Again, we all know how well he closes, but every single year there's a surprise or two. And I think if, if Bamba can, can land Rashawn Gary – I mean, you're talking about, in, in my tenure covering Alabama, easily the biggest surprise pull that he has pulled. Uh, and that that would be saying a lot. And it also be the first time that Bama signed the number one player in the country on scout.com. So that would be quite the coup uh, for Alabama, and I guess fittingly so with this being uh, the national championship year. But nothing officially set in stone yet. But the good news, it looks like he could visit Tuscaloosa regardless of whether it's an official visit or not. And you know if it's an unofficial visit, it will basically be an official visit in terms of the structure, the attention, and all that stuff. No doubt. No doubt about that. Uh, Without without a doubt. 
without question. We're getting Carrie on Skype. That's why it sounds kind of weird. Yeah, I'm here. There we go. Go ahead, go ahead, Carrie. I know you had a question. I do have one quickie for you, John. Uh, you and I have a lot of mutual friends in the industry. And just as confusing as the recruitment or trying to figure out where Derek Brown is, is the confusion regarding the ultimate destination of A.J. Brown. Uh, some hmm. tout him as Julio Jones. Some people in the industry uh, feel like Alabama's in great shape. Some people feel like Alabama could be as low as number three for A.J. Uh, and I think that's a changing situation as well after his great visit this past weekend. But go ahead and share with our listeners, John, what you're hearing about the excellent receiver from Starkville High School. Yeah, you talk about a complicated recruitment. You know, uh, the state of Mississippi never disappoints in that department, and, and Brown is going to be probably after Raekwon Davis, but Brown's going to be up there this year. Um, and, and it's all about the people around the kid. You know, that's always such an important factor for any kid, and much less a kid in Mississippi who's as highly touted as A.J. Brown. Like you said, I mean, he could be the next Julio Jones. He's a top-five receiver in America, number-one receiver in the entire South on scout. So clearly a, a guy who's headed in the right direction. Now, uh, Bama has always been a favorite of his. Bama has always been in good shape for him. Bama has always been a school he's enjoyed a lot. Now, depending on who you talk to and when you talk to him, I've heard that Bama has led for a year. I've heard that Bama is now the leader after the official visit for him. But it's not just about him. It's about his family. It's about his coaches. And that community, Starkville High School, that's where it really gets interesting because there's a lot of different notions with A.J. One of them is that he wants to leave. So if we believe that notion that he wants to leave Starkville, then that tells you it's most likely going to be either Bama or Ole Miss. Well, if you're a Mississippi State Bulldog fan and you know this top player is leaving your community, would you rather him go to Oxford or Tuscaloosa? 99.9% will say Tuscaloosa. So there's a notion that not only he wants to leave, but that the MSU people in succeeding that, that recruit will also rather have him and push him towards Alabama. So certainly something that does not hurt the tie's chances. So the only thing that seems for sure right now with A.J. is that he's probably not going to end up at Ole Miss. So I think um, if the notion that he wants to leave is true, which, you know, he says he's open to it and he's told me that multiple times, then I think Bama is, is clearly the school um, in the driver's seat. But even if that's the case, you know, with a kid like that, I wonder in the 11th hour, a kid from Starkville, Mississippi, to get him out of that area would be very, very big. This isn't a Rashawn Evans situation where Alabama – and Auburn recruited him extremely differently where the tea leaves pointed to Alabama well before that national signing day decision. This is a, we're selling you the same thing. You are going to be the guy. You are the top dog, you know, depleted wide receiver core. Both programs can say that, especially after next year. So there's a lot of similarities between the two pitches. So it's not like that's a big difference like it was for Rashawn Evans. So this is, this would be a very, very, very surprising and, and big win for Nick Saban if he was able to pull it off. So, again, does Bama lead? I've heard yes in multiple ways, um, personally, privately, silently, however you want to call it. But my concern here is at the end of the day, where does Alabama stand against Mississippi State? I think that's who it comes down to. Uh, And, again, you know, conventional wisdom tells you that Mississippi State will hold on to him. But that notion about him wanting to leave it is quite interesting, no doubt. And, John, 
Uh, I think uh, Alabama is in good shape with A.J. Brown. They, of course, they're going to have to, uh, you know, sweat it out for the next uh, two weeks. Uh, is he slated to visit Starkville officially this weekend? And I know uh, Ole Miss is, was on the docket for the 29th, is it, but it, is he is, uh, is Mississippi State, uh, of course he can go there anytime he wants. He's from Starkville. But are they going to get his official this weekend? No, I, at last check, Drew, he was headed to Cal. That's the school he has always wow. mentioned. I mean, okay. out at the opening, I asked him, who's recruiting you the hardest? And he said, Alabama and Cal. So he's going <laughs> yeah, to honor that and respect Cal. that and, and go visit uh, the Cal Bears this weekend. So that will be an interesting trip for him, a kid from Starkville, Mississippi, out in California. I'm sure that will be an eye-opening experience for him if he's never been out there. Uh, but, of course, the expectation is that he stays in SEC country. So I, I don't think he takes an official to MSU unless he wants to do a, a midweek thing, which, which he could, like you right. said, he can do that tomorrow if he wanted to. But uh, it's it's unnecessary. It's a moot point at this point. It's like Ben Davis. If he didn't take an official visit to Alabama, nobody should really worry or freak out about that. It's a very similar situation in terms of familiarity uh, and consistency with the program because, you know, what, what kids want to find out now on officials is, you know, it's business time. Where am I playing next year? Who am I competing against for playing time? It's about the plan. You know, that's what I really uh, appreciated from talking to Trevon Diggs after his visit last week, and he's another one that's going to be dramatic at the end. He said, you know, I really just wanted to sit down with Lane Kiffin and Billy Napier. He's like, that's all I really wanted to do. Now, he ended up recruiting for Bama and, and becoming uh, quite the storyline now that he's visiting Maryland this weekend. However, he really wanted to just sit down and talk X's and O's and find out exactly where he stands, not only – you know, with this group of recruits, but compared to the guys already on campus. That's what guys want to find out. They're tired of the salesmanship stuff. It's about where am I playing next year? How can I help this team? Uh, and, and that stuff is very, very important at the end. Well, and you brought up Travon Diggs. So and he had talked about coming because they, they, he said this past weekend was was an unofficial visit to Alabama, correct? Yeah, he told me, you know, and it makes sense. You know, his brother's an NFL guy, his family's okay. So, you know, they could foot the bill for something like that, and it's not a big deal. So he said he did stay overnight, and he spent both days, you know, basically doing all the official visit activities. But he said it was on his family's dime and not Alabama's dime. So at that point, he said he was going to take the official this coming weekend, so basically right. back-to-back weekends. But now um, the things have changed. the storyline has changed, and he's going to – uh, finally give the in-state school and its new staff a fair shot. And I think it's a, it's an interesting cause for concern for Alabama fans. Yeah, and I think a lot of people have they've been uh, told to watch Maryland because Alabama uh, did uh, lose one of their uh, uh, quality control, one of their assistant, one of their uh, recruiting guys on their, on their coaching staff. There's so many analysts and so many off-the-field guys at Alabama, but uh, he did take the job. As, uh, and I think I'll let you pronounce his name, uh, John. But he uh, he he is now the secondary coach at Maryland, and it was close with Diggs. So everybody was told to watch him, and and that, that's what I was gonna. I was what I was wondering. Diggs had talked about coming back this weekend, but now is going to Maryland. So that's something to watch. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you know it's it's him doing his due diligence there, like like. I talked about earlier this week, you know, there's one thing to know a program, and he knows that program as well as anybody, but now it's a completely new staff. And you mentioned Azar, who who was a high school coach in the D.C. area, a guy very, mm-hmm. very well known in that area where, where Trevon is from, um, and they built a relationship before he even got an Alabama offer. So 
it all is just sort of connected to Azar, and I think that's that's where Diggs is sort of giving his respect here. I don't think he flips on the visit. Um, I think that would be the biggest cause for concern. If he did flip on the visit, then I think it's a done deal. Uh, but I don't envision him doing that. He just he seems so solid to Alabama when I talk to him. Um, but he did say, you know, hey, I'm listening to other programs. You know, I'm being respectful if I can. Uh, but I asked him about the notion, you know, that hey, people think you're going to end up at Maryland. Like, what does that mean to you? He just he started laughing. He was just like. You just tell those people that I'm not flipping, you know, and he told me that. So it's it's really interesting. Um, again, these kids, you know, they're so young. they got so many people in their ear. It's just going to be interesting to see where it plays out for him. And, and he's a guy I think that Bama is needing more and more in this class. It's becoming a scarce with the athlete position guys who can play both ways, you know, him, Jack Jones, Nicole Harmon, Demetrius Robertson. I'm thinking Bama needs to get one or two of those four if possible. So uh, I think it would like to hold on to Trevon Diggs very much. And then before I let Kerry come back uh, with his next question, I wanted to ask about Diggs academics. There was some concern about it um, earlier uh, in the recruiting process. How do you know that if what where he stands right now? Not up to the minute, Drew, uh, but I'm told there's little cause for concern at this point. Uh, Maryland's okay, recruiting good. him aggressively, looking to sign him, like traditional traditional route, and same thing for Alabama and anyone else trying to get in late. I know LSU and Miami have been pretty consistent with him as well. So uh, that that stuff tends to, you know, read you, you know, that things are going, you know, better than expected mm-hmm. academically. Typically more than a school or two won't be involved if, if, if that's a red flag. John, getting back to the recruiting aspect of, of A.J. Brown and the possibility of leaving Starkville, I, I just have a follow-up because I've just got this information off Twitter. This apparently came out in the last 30 minutes that the Tennessee Titans are going to hire Deshae Townsend, who is a former Alabama defensive back that is a, a secondary coach at Mississippi State and, and a pretty good recruiter. I'm not sure if he was the recruiter for A.J. Brown or not, but just in general, how would losing to Shea Townsend affect uh, Mississippi State recruiting? Well, yeah, I mean, he's one of their ace recruiters. There's no doubt about that. You know, Mississippi State has been very active in Alabama, and he's been a big reason why they've been successful uh, in the Yellowhammer State. And that's very interesting. I figured something could be happening. You know, they hired Terrell Buckley, another former NFL defensive back, uh, recently. So I wondered how those two would, would sort of mesh together. So that would make sense that he would – um, explore and certainly take a, a promotion up to the uh, Tennessee Titans. So I think, again, that it's about continuity. You know, A.J. Brown doesn't really know Terrell Buckley very well. He knew Deshae Townsend for the last four years at least. So that's certainly something that, again, doesn't hurt Alabama and certainly doesn't help Mississippi State. You know, you're not going to establish a great relationship uh, in 13 days, and that's that's how much time we have left. And that would be very interesting, John, because I had heard today on my show Talking Ball that uh, Deshae Townsend was a candidate to be the secondary coach at Florida. Uh, so if he's moving on to the NFL, uh, that would also take a card away, perhaps, if Jim McElwain was seriously considering, as I was told, uh, bringing Deshae Townsend to the Gators. So as we've all seen, that can really have an effect as well on the overall uh, recruitment of certain guys. Uh, just uh, another one I wanted to ask you about because it looks like he is going to officially visit uh, this coming weekend. I know Amir Rasul had a very good visit. You spoke with him. Uh, he had glowing things to say, and Alabama likes him. But I've, I've been feeling like the uh, the uh, 
the priority at running back right now uh, was Penny Mon from Manville, Texas. He will visit this weekend. I know Nick Saban has been by to see him. Uh, my my take on the situation is if he has a great visit, he could flip to Alabama. What are you hearing in that in him with, 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 regarding his recruitment? Well, yeah, you know, running back is it's the it's the big mystery this year. You know, Bama actually needs backs, and there's not a lot of backs out there. And they have one committed who is is not out in the clear yet academically. So I mean, running back is is such an interesting position for a school that everyone associates with. Certainly in the last ten years, is basically running back university. So with that being said, you know, Penniman fits that mold a little bit better than Amir Rasul. Much bigger, more physical kid, runs well, plays high school ball in Texas. So obviously you know, the type of talent um, that he's played with and against. And in Madville, certainly one of the most noted schools uh, in the Lone Star State. Uh, so I think that's that's something to be said. And, and Ole Miss's running back situation, very interesting. You know, obviously there's there's not a bell cow type of presence at Ole Miss. And then they've had a crowded backfield on the commitment list. They've had a couple of guys from Alabama committed in Denzel Mitchell, and Jerry and Street out of Hewitt Trussell. Mitchell no longer committed, but there's been some question marks in their running back recruiting why they have brought in so many guys. So I think that is, has been a cause for concern with Penniman for a long time. So Alabama, ironically enough, which is we, we rarely can say this about them, it's the complete opposite at running back. There's not a lot of guys on the commitment list, just one, and there's not a lot of guys returning with experience, just two. So Bama's running back situation is actually a, a shorter path to playing time than Ole Miss's, and that's before you get into the schematics and all that stuff, too. And like you said, Drew, Bama's been on him for some time, like heavy since the summer, as far back as I can remember, and now it's finally their time to host him for 48 hours. He's the only running back visiting uh, uncommitted. Of course, B.J. Evans is actually visiting this weekend as well, and B.J. is the type of kid to, to recruit Devon to join him at Alabama. He's that type of guy. So I think that will help Alabama. Of course, um, just the timing, I think, helps Alabama as well. And this is this is an Ole Miss commitment, but this is an Ole Miss commitment from Texas. This isn't a kid from Louisiana or Mississippi where it's stranger things can happen. It's kids from Texas where Alabama has been arguably the best recruiting program over the last five years. Ask Sean Robinson, ask Tony Brown, ask all these other guys. So I think all of that stuff bodes well for Alabama, and if it continues to push in the direction it has, I think he's probably the more likely flip today than Amir Rasul, although both of them are certainly high up on the priority list and probably the top two before maybe a gap after that point. And, John, I wanted to ask you a little bit more. I know you talked about he was a bigger back. Uh, I know Pimon, both and Rasul, ironically, both had strong performances at the Semper Fi game in Carson, California. But your evaluation, I know you watch a lot of film, and I really respected your football acumen. What's your evaluation of Pennymon? I've been told throughout this whole process that he was someone that was flying under the radar that should be you know, uh, ranked much higher than he was. Yeah, it's been a strange running back class, a lot of turnover. The guys who early we thought were the stars have sort of faded down here recently, and those second-tier guys have popped up as the guys in this class. But, of course, the rankings are done with Penamon, a solid four-star guy, again, out of the state of Texas. And I think he just fits that Bama mold. You know, he's not going to run 4-3, um, but he's a big guy. He can carry the weight well. He shifts well, really good vision, and I like his decisiveness. He's not a he's not a dance-around type of guy, and Bama's really, I guess, never had a true dance-around uh, Juke and Jive type of running back. Uh, but he's certainly not that as well. So he's just he's just a solid running back. You know, there's not a – 
there's not a buzzword or a comparison that immediately comes to mind like, like it may for other backs. Um, but he's just a solid kid, one-cut guy, north-south, physical enough, falls forward, runs behind his pads, has good bend, good vision, good enough speed. And I think uh, all of that bodes very, very well for no matter where he ends up. Uh, but I think you're right. He could be a guy undervalued. You know, the state of Texas alone has a ridiculous amount of running backs every single year. And, and Pettiman was a guy who jumped on an Ole Miss offer fairly early. I believe he was the first commitment for the Rebels in this class of 2016. So um, that can sort of bury a kid sometimes, at least with perception. And perception is everything, and not only in recruiting, but sometimes in recruiting rankings. So I think that could be the reason why his four-star hasn't shined brighter over the last couple of seasons. But nonetheless, Bama has noticed it, Bama has pushed for it, and Bama may get it in the end. John, there are a group of linebackers coming to Tuscaloosa this weekend that's probably unparalleled in the history of UA recruiting. But the the two I want to talk about, one I think we all feel like will end up in Tuscaloosa, Ben Davis. But the second guy has had a recruitment that reminds me Somewhat of Marlon Humphrey, but it's even in some ways more bizarre. I'm speaking specifically of Lindell Mack Wilson of Carver McDermott. John, two or three days ago, I think the University of Georgia felt like they had the kid locked up. Yesterday, I'm hearing Alabama again feels good about him, as we think they have for the last six to nine months. He's visiting this weekend. His recruitment is like a shroud of mystery. Anything you can enlighten on that has developed recently with Mac Wilson? I think for Mac, I mean, he didn't really know about Georgia. He had never been, to my understanding. So I think that's the reason for optimism from that program. And he's a huge fan of Kirby Smart. I mean, Kirby Smart recruits the you-know-what out of Montgomery, or he did when he was at um, Alabama. And that has certainly carried over to UGA and, and him recruiting the state of Alabama is, is not something that's going to end anytime soon. Uh, so I think that uh, with Mac, it's just sort of a, it's an always evolving situation, as you mentioned. You know, first Florida was the school, now Georgia. Now it's going to cycle back to Alabama, and I think that's where it's going to end up. Uh, Florida does get the last visit, uh, but, you know, it's, it's going to be a situation where, you know, the last visit is not going to dictate a whole lot with a guy like Mac Wilson. You don't track the visits with him. You track what he does in the end and what's going on behind the scenes, and that has been Bama and Red Bama for a long time. And then, John, I wanted to ask about another linebacker, and he's slated to visit this weekend, and I think he could be the difference in the tide getting a top three class, which, of course, would be still all excellent, but vaulting Alabama to number one, and that's, of course, uh, at least at Lisk High School, Houston, Texas linebacker Dontavius Jackson. Uh, for a long, long time, a lot of people thought he would end up at Texas. He did have an outstanding visit to Alabama this summer, was slated to return after the opening, got injured, hasn't been back since, but now will officially visit the capstone, it looks like. Uh, just your thoughts on his recruitment and the, the chances Alabama has. Alabama's got a good shot at Dontavious. You know, he's a kid who he's sort of like Mac Wilson in his own right, not only a big physical inside guy, uh, but a guy who's been linked to, to several schools throughout the process. Michigan felt good at one point. Florida State has felt good for the last couple of months. Texas is Texas, so they feel good. Um, and now Florida, who hosted him last week, feels pretty good about him. So 
he's a guy who who's played things close to the vest when it counts the most. Uh, he's said the right things, as you said. But, yeah, Drew, I think you hit it on the head. Ever since that summer visit, I think it was June 13th, actually, ever since that trip to Tuscaloosa, Dontavious has raved about trying to get back. He was planning to come back in August. He was going to work out and bring his teammates to work out because he liked uh, the red carpet treatment he got so much uh, during that June trip. But it just never materialized. He was never able to figure it out for one logistical reason or another. So then came the fall, no official visits. Like you said, banged up a little bit, busy with Texas high school football, which we all know is so great. So now here comes the late visits, and Alabama gets him on the weekend. They really wanted to get him. This is It's no surprise that Bama's biggest target, the guys we've been talking about the most, you know, more or less for the last six months, they're all visiting this weekend. And there's a reason for that, and there's a reason all these linebackers are on campus. So I think that will resonate with Dontavious. Doesn't mean Bama will shoot all the way up. Doesn't mean Alabama will sign him on signing day, but certainly it will help Alabama immensely for him. Now, what hurts, I think, is the fact that Jeff McCullough is not visiting. The Shark, as they call him, Edge guy, probably a Jack prospect at Alabama. He announced earlier this week that he was changing that official visit to Texas A&M. And why does this matter with Dontavious Jackson? Well, the two are extremely close. They're both out of sort of the Houston area. Uh, the greater Houston area, and they've long talked about playing together. So now they're Ben Davis, Mac Wilson kind of thing where they're, they're friends because they've been recruited together for three years. These guys are friends because they've been friends for several years. So a more true type of package deal as opposed to a newly formed one, if that makes sense. So I think that's where Bama could be hurt in the end. McCullough has long been pegged to, to Texas. Notre Dame and Michigan in there as well. So Michigan's really the only other school that is similar between the two uh, and if that package deal is is to go through. So I think that hurts Alabama a little bit. But if there's anything that could overcome maybe not playing, you know, with a close friend, is playing with a lot of other Houston area guys who absolutely love Tuscaloosa, including some big guy named Kendall Jones who's been recruiting his tail off with Dontavious and a lot of kids in Texas and nationally behind the scenes. Again, just because they're not like Blake Barnett and doing it publicly doesn't mean it's not going down. And and Jalen Hurts is also a Houston area guy. So all of that certainly helps Alabama. Hurts, of course, is already enrolled. So he'll be, I would imagine, he'll probably host Dontavious if if another Texan does not host him. So that'll be um, all by design for Alabama, and and that'll help Bama immensely uh, this weekend. So I think Bama will shoot up. I don't know if it'll be all the way to the top, and I don't know how close his ties to Jeff McCullough uh, could affect his final decision. But that's going to be, if that's a package deal, that'll be uh, quite to get uh, for Charlie Strong and company or perhaps Jim Harbaugh. John, I believe I know the answer to this question, even though it involves two separate prospects that have little to do with each other. But it, things change so much, I'm going to go ahead and ask it. Uh, is there any reason to think that there's even a remote possibility that either or Jawan Pass, Georgia quarterback, or Scott Lashley, Mississippi offensive tackle, could possibly end up in this Alabama class? No. that we did earlier, I believe earlier in this week or late last week when, when we talked about past visiting this weekend. This, this came from Louisville, if you really want to know the source. This came from Louisville and, and not just, you know, a person on the ground there, you know, from a source near the, close to the hearts of the coaching staff. So they've expected him to visit Alabama for some time. Bama has 
sort of always thought he was going to visit. Um, and it seems like it's deteriorated over the last couple of days. At the last confirmation of the visitor list, Pass was not on it, and he's not on next week's at this stage either. So I think that tells you a lot about the kid, and I think it tells you a lot about Alabama as well. I mean, Bama wanted to potentially bring in another quarterback, but at the end of the day, Pass has been rock solid to Louisville. I mean, he had a committable Bama offer when he picked Louisville, so I guess the expectation was that that wasn't going to change a whole lot, uh, even if he did visit Alabama, which is a school he's visited a good bit, uh, more than people realize, dating back to early in his career when him and Makai Brown, his former high school teammate, would come through. So I think that just was sort of an idea that had always been out there. Bama pursued it one more time, and so did Pass, and then something happened uh, in between, and it's sort of one of those, you know, works out for everybody, you go your way, my, I go my way kind of thing. And with Scott Lashley, I just think there's a couple of guys ahead of him. You know, there's only going to be one more offensive lineman brought in, uh, and a couple of other guys visiting this weekend. He is on the visit list for this weekend, by the way, which is very interesting because he wasn't on the initial expectation uh, uh, to be on this list. So that tells you that Bama – it's not like Bama's not recruiting the guy. Mario Cristobal has been by several times um, since December – or been in contact several times since December, I should say. So he's still on the board. I just wonder how high compared to Landon Dickerson, to compared to Tremonde Moore, compared to some of these other guys that are still in it for Alabama. Babyon Johnson visited last weekend. So if Bama's going to take one more offensive lineman, it's not even about tackle versus guard versus center. It's about lineman, just one guy uh, to solidify this O-line group where, where three guys are already on campus for Alabama. So I think that's that's where I sort of struggle to picture him in, in Alabama's class. And even aside from that, Mississippi State has expected him in the class as much as Bama fans have expected Ben Davis and Mac Wilson in the class, if that's some perspective for you. So even if Bama were to push, there's there's a sense that uh, Scott Lashley, who has uh, apparently silently committed multiple times to Mississippi State and even publicly once for, I believe, 10 minutes or so, um, there's a sense that he's going to end up in Starkville regardless of the situations, regardless of the visit. So I tend to think that's uh, pretty plausible at this point. And, John, you mentioned him in previously in our conversation. Uh, and as you said, he's on a visit right now, midweek sort of visit to Auburn. Uh, their whole defensive coach staff has been, been went by the school to visit him. That's uh, uh, Nigel Warrior. I heard a conversation with his mother last night. Of course, she's about schools that have recruited him. She had an interesting take on Georgia, saying that it might actually hurt uh, them with Kirby Smart being the head coach because he's not going to be heavily, you know, nearly as heavily involved with the defense and be coordinating it defensively. And she had some glowing things to say about Nick Saban. And of course, being able to personally coach your son, I think we all know that he's been near the top of the board uh, at safety or at the top of the board at safety for a long time for Alabama. I think he would be a future star under Nick Saban at safety. But what is your thoughts? He will be officially visiting this weekend. Of course, uh, I think the last weekend he slated to visit his father's alma mater, uh, Tennessee. But where do you think Alabama stands with Nigel Warrior at this point? Yeah, I think the combination of Nick Nick Saban and Kirby, I almost said Nick Smart, Nick Saban and Kirby Smart, uh, I think that would have had Alabama in a, a massive lead for him, believe it or not, you know, if, if all the coaching changes didn't occur. But, of course, that's unrealistic, uh, and time has passed since that point. So uh, Georgia got its shot, and it's the in-state school, and, and he respects that. But, but again, 
It's about that continuity. Like I said, at this time of year, it's about who's going to coach me? Who am I going to be around? What is my day-to-day life going to be like? And and that's what Nigel told me he was looking to evaluate here with these last couple of official visits. Uh, things were still up in the air in this, at this point. He had no public leader, although people expect him to end up at Tennessee because his father played there. Um, but I, I tend to think he's going to go against it. I think uh, he knows his value. He knows that he's uh, one of the most all-around defensive backs to come out in the last couple of years, in my opinion. And I think he wants to challenge himself. I, I saw him at Army Bowl practices all week leading the defense, making physical plays against the run, impacting the passing game, doing one-on-ones, performing well. The guy does everything well. He just He's, he's just so well-rounded. I just think that that's going to carry over into how he evaluates these schools. So, like you said, it makes sense that, that his mom would think that uh, about Kirby Smart because that is he's a cerebral kid, so he's going to be calculated in how he evaluates these schools as well, and he's going to think about you know, the third week of camp and, you know, when, when he's buried on the depth chart and, and those meeting rooms, he's going to think of those things as to where a lot of kids just think about Saturdays and running out of the tunnel and making a play and having 100,000 people screaming your name. It's not always like that, and Nigel's a very, very realistic type of kid from getting to know him over the last couple of years. So I think that helps a program like Alabama. It helps a program selling consistency because a cerebral kid wants consistency. He doesn't want to be sold as much on the uptick, be the difference, help us change things. That, I think, hurts Nigel Warrior's recruitment. So that's why I think LSU, where he visited last week, Georgia, which is going through some changes, and Alabama are heavier in this than people think. It's really not all about Tennessee and everybody else. And not to mention, talk about a cerebral kid being efficient, he's visiting Auburn right now to get an official in before he heads over to Alabama tomorrow. So this kid really wants to soak in the entire portion of this final stage, and I think it's going to be good for Alabama. Again, they've been on him for so many years, whether it's Kirby Smart or Nick Saban. Saban carries the continuity right now. Jeremy Pruitt now trying to build it. They weren't in very consistent contact when Pruitt was over at UGA. Uh, He wasn't very consistent with Mel Tucker at Alabama either. I think that's been a misconception in recruiting uh, and people pegging him to Georgia, thinking Kirby Smart plus Mel Tucker means a done deal. Uh, That's far from the truth to my understanding and from talking to Nigel. So when it comes to coaching continuity, Nick Saban is the leader in the clubhouse. It's just about the other factors for me at this point in in determining where he's going to end up. But I think this weekend will will be big in terms of him figuring those things out. And I think Bama could vault all the way up with his visit this week. And with the the DB class, you, you talked about him needing corners. Nigel Nod, obviously, it seems to be a heavy favorite to be in the class. Uh, hearing that Shy Carter, of course, still could be, but that might not be a slam dunk. Uh, if, if we, we we know Diggs could end up on either side of the ball, do you, do you see another corner joining Nod in the class? Maybe someone like Jared Maiden. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's it's ballooned to two. You know, for for the whole time we were thinking about who's the one guy going to be. We know multiple safeties are coming in. Who's the one corner? But I think that number has ballooned to two. And the flexibility of other positions, like not taking a second quarterback, not taking a kicker on scholarship anymore, maybe not taking a third tight end on scholarship, those sacrifices could lead to a second cornerback being taken. Like you said, not has long been pegged to Alabama. I think Shaheen Carter today, Bama is the front runner, and he's another one visiting this coming weekend. The Jeremy Pruitt cycle back to Alabama, I think, was massive for a guy like Shai Carter. Ole Miss and Georgia were charging very, very hard 
for Alabama, uh, even before he decommitted uh, from UA. Uh, but I think even at that point, Bama was still sort of in the driver's seat. He just didn't let a lot of people know about it because Shy Carter is actually shy, believe it or not, when it comes to the media. So he fits his name there. But I think Bama's felt good for a long time. They feel better now. And I think this weekend could seal the deal for him. I think there's a potential for him to leave the weekend committed to Alabama. Now, he's got a, a date set for later, but I think just with the type of kid he is, very, very mature, sort of knows what he wants. He backed off of the commitment because he hadn't been to Oregon and LSU and all these other places. Um, so he wanted to go do that before he, he finalized things. Now he's much closer to that. Took the official visit to Miami last week. LSU's not going to get one. Oregon probably not going to get him back on campus. So it's going to come down to, to those three SEC schools, Georgia, Ole Miss, and Bama, and Georgia hasn't hosted them for a long time. So I think Ole Miss and Bama are going to be his final two. And I think at this stage, Bama is the strong leader over Ole Miss, and that certainly is not going to change much after he visits Tuscaloosa for 48 hours. John, I won't ask you about left tackle now that we've apparently decided after the fact that Jonah Williams is the left tackle of the future. Uh, or someone decided that I didn't, but apparently he is. So we won't we won't talk about that tackle. I do want to talk about, and we we definitely went in depth on AJ Brown, and and we we touched on Keith Gavin, but how do you feel like the wide receiver class will will finish up here? Bama wants a lot. You know, they, there's seven scholarship receivers returning. That's a low number, and, and among those seven. In terms of experience and true, like, season-long experience, you really just have Calvin Ridley and Ardarius Stewart. After that, you know, uh, Robert Foster has had flashes and played in a lot of games, but not that sort of grind of the whole season. So, And he's coming off of an injury on top of that. Cam Sims played a lot as a freshman, got hurt, has been up and down since then, and behind that, a true lack of experience. So I think uh, it's almost like running back. There's a couple of guys, but you really need another guy, two or even three strong guys to participate possibly this year, not only on special teams, but certainly on offense. A.J. Brown can obviously be one of those guys, but I think a guy like Keith Gavin, you know, 6'4", 220, he could be one. He's going to come down to Bama and Florida State, visited Bama last weekend, Florida State this coming weekend, and he could make a decision in the next week. You know, he's been to both schools a lot of times. He only had a couple more questions for Bama, got those answered. He's going to have a couple more for Florida State. Once he gets those answered, he's going to be ready to make a decision, which I think is great for all parties involved, one, for Gavin to claim his spot, and two, for both Florida State and Alabama to be able to move on if if he doesn't select their program. And both guys or both schools have him as a, a surefire take at this point. So he's one to keep a close eye on. I think Amon Richards, he's another. Once once this visit goes down, remember the last time he visited Bama, Bama became his leader, and that was an unofficial visit. Let's see what happens this weekend on an official visit when Billy Napier and the whole company or the whole crew are heavy on him, uh, detailing what, what, what he could mean to this class. He's the late riser of this wide receiver group. Of course, uh, Tyler Simmons is visiting the, the current commitment who visited UGA last weekend, and then a lot of people thought that could be the foundation for a flip away from Alabama, so that'll be important for the Tide. Um, and then the real guy we don't know a lot about is Corey Banks, committed to North Carolina, out of the state of Georgia, a guy Pruitt has liked for a long time and finally was able to offer him at Alabama. He's also taking a visit this weekend. So you pair those guys with Gavin, Michael Jones, 
um, guys who visited last week in addition to A.J. Brown. And, and there's sort of a logjam at wide receiver, and this is before you get to whether or not Trevon Diggs is a wide receiver. So the only for sure thing with Alabama and that position is that T.J. Simmons, the in-state kid, is on campus and enrolled. So who are the other three receivers going to be? At this stage, I think Gavin is going to be a very interesting one to follow up with Michael Jones, does the tradition and his buddy Dalen Charlotte, or does he go with the new tra- the new trend, I guess, and go to Ole Miss? A lot of people have felt Ole Miss has been the leader for him for a long time. So I think it's going to be a high number. It's just wh- where where are the guys we're not talking about? Where's the guy who's going to surprise and pick Alabama? Is it Demetrius Robertson? Is it me, Cole Hardman? If one of those guys step up to the plate, and both of them are also visiting, that could really throw a positive wrinkle into this wide receiver group for Alabama because that's what it's looking for at this point. It's looking for X-factor breakout type of wide receiver. It's got some solid ones already, but it wants to add another one or two before all is said and done. And there's about 10 guys that are candidates right now, and and it's very, very fluid. So I think Gavin's the the one to focus on the most because he's the one making the most uh, soon decision, and then you go from there and see uh, who else is on the table. But certainly – Brown, Richards, uh, Michael Jones, expect those guys to be heavy in the mix. And then we'll see what happens with Miko Hardman, Demetrius Robertson, Banks, uh, and Tyler Simmons, if he sticks or not. Well, John, we always appreciate the information, man. It's been a great action-packed 45 minutes with you. Uh, this is going to be a crazy ending. We know that you'll grab when you can. We appreciate you taking the time, and uh, I know our audience really enjoyed it. Uh, just, you know, if you want to let everybody know, of course, about your many Twitter accounts, and, of course, you're, we, we can read your stuff on BamaMag.com, but we know uh, that you're going to be all over this situation for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, 13 days away, so it'll be fun on BamaMag.com. All things Alabama, the, the tie could add 10 guys here. Signing day is going to be crazy. We're going to have every type of interaction you want, whether it's chats, recruiting Q&As, traditional articles, video, audio, everything's coming at you rapid fire here for the next 10-plus days, uh, BamaMag.com, John Garcia underscore JR on Twitter. And then the state of Alabama stuff is heating up. I'm finalizing my fine, my, my 2016 Alabama 100, the top 100 prospects in the state. It has been a grind to try to figure this out because the state is so good this year. So that will <laughs> be coming out soon. And, and you can check that out at Scout HS Alabama. A lot of kids in state getting late offers, getting late buzz. Kelvin Lucky, Ty Pigrome. Guys like that. Uh, North Carolina just took a kid, DJ Ford, who had uh, only a couple scholarship offers and no scout profile. That's how deep the state of Alabama wow. is right now, and we're tracking it all at Scout HF Alabama. Absolutely. Well, John, have a great rest of your night. Appreciate your time on BAMS Radio. I know we'll be talking with you again soon. Really appreciate the time tonight. Thanks, fellas. We'll see you soon. Yes, that's John Garcia, everyone. And that's going to be an end to an action packed two hours of BAMS Radio. Uh, we want to. I want to thank Thomas Watts for being on with me for much of the first hour. We hope you enjoyed the Travis Ryer conversation. We want to thank Kerry Clark, my co-host, for jumping in with us, fresh off some great basketball info and being uh, front and center with John Garcia talking a lot of great recruiting. Everyone have a great rest of your week. Roll Tide, and we'll be talking with you again next Thursday here on BAMS Radio. Roll Tide. Roll Tide.